0: And the Oscar goes to. So he tells me, you can't park the car there. But I'm like, look, there's only one dead hooker in the... Hello! Welcome to the Film Ireland podcast.
1: Happy New Year, everyone. Uh, the Phil Ireland podcast is back for some wholesome entertainment. And, uh, you know, look at what's going on in the world of film. Of course, uh, the big news from the other week is uh, the Oscar nominations have mm-hmm, been announced. Mm-hmm. Um, all white of them. I mean, all, all of them. All Irish of them. It's yeah. a, It's been a really good year. And for people complain about a lack of diversity. It, it. This must be what it feels like to be British every year. I thought you were going to say I a, a different know. nationality right there. I'm glad you didn't. No, but British, uh, British people are nominated every year. And this isn't to dampen it. It's like this is a really good... Um, success story where two of the best picture nominations are from myers directors
0: but, but jonathan Sir ronan and co are all british also it, the british are nominated again
1: this year yes there was controversy of a sky news reporter saying um saoirse ronan was british and he got really defensive about it on twitter saying mm-hmm. like, well it's the british isles anyway you should take it as a compliment and he was just like digging a hole deeper and deeper being a journalist who knows nothing about social media and uh, the Waterford Whispers responded with a great article saying Irish actress Kate Winslet mm. wins Golden Globe.
0: Like, but I don't think it's hypocritical of us to be like, "Oh, you can't claim her," whereas we've claimed Daniel Day Lewis and Jeremy Irons, who
1: live here and have citizenship here, and
0: well, now they do. They didn't always.
1: It's no, sorry, you're you're completely wrong on this. It it is if you are a citizen of the country. I think it is okay then to say. It no, is, I know, but, but we've been claiming. Irish we've
0: even been claiming Jeremy Irons for like. Decades at this point.
1: That that we claim people who voluntarily choose to live here, whereas Sirisha yes, Rowan has much no English. connection. has no connection to Britain at all, other than working there a lot. I'm just, you know, this this isn't a comparison to make. You're wasting your time. Why are you Jeremy doing this Irons picture?
0: sounds so very Irish. Why do this, <laughs> Jeremy Irons?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Look, we have Room and Brooklyn in competing in the Best Picture. And race, Donald Gleason in everything. Donald Gleeson was in yes. Uh, every movie he's been in this last year has gotten loads of oscar mm. nominations so what does that tell you about donald gleason the the lucky charm of
0: the illuminati is involved
1: Hall gleason as they call him
0: i hate to be his brother is all i'm gonna say
1: stuck doing what was that
0: airport comedy with Mad Men lady oh that <laughs> was uh, standby there and we go. he's now doing rebellion the series on The the heights just never cease to get higher for him I'm sure Rebellion's fine. I haven't watched it yet, but um, no. I'm going to move, drama, gonna move swiftly Wars. on.
1: Uh, just talk a bit more about the Irish actors who are successful in Oscar terms. <laughs> uh, we have Saoirse Ronan being nominated uh, for Best Actress, no, deservedly, and no. as I predicted, and I, I really hope she does win. Just to see the look on your face, I just, I would be delighted, and of course, I would be delighted for her because it is a very good performance even if we the know, movie is divisive and um, at this point I don't
0: care I'm just I'm Brooklyn has gotten all the anger ahead of me it's going to get I'm just I don't know if it mad. wins best
1: picture No oh I I I wouldn't that.
0: be surprised if it wins best picture that's that kind of shit the Oscars would go for but it would be akin it's akin to like the king's speech only winning best picture it's very safe it's it is the Forrest Gump of this year's kind of crop of best picture nominations
1: whereas Room is really leading the pack uh, where we're going to be reviewing it a little bit it's mm, in a league of its own That would be fine that would be great. It's not just Room being nominated for best picture though, and it's the director Lenny Abramson, mm-hmm. being d- nominated for best director. We have a screen best adapted screenplay nomination for both Room and Brooklyn, and to top it all off, we have Michael Fassbender born in Germany, so I guess according to you Richard, you know, we can't claim him even though he grew up here. Well, He's- I'm asking
0: you now if it, if the Germans claimed him would you be angry?
1: No. Yes, you would. Because we can... No, but there's a legitimate claim where it's like there's a German interest in it. I think that's the point of a lot of the media coverage is that just it has been so good for Ireland that on top of all these nominations, we have Michael Fassbender being nominated for playing Steve Jobs and Jobs in the in best a movie, actor category. neither of us saw and didn't want to. And <laughs> that matters a great deal to the Academy voters. Who, it does If you are listening, Brooklyn, 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 please make Richard... We we, we can get Richard. We can get him to react more. You can't. It's done. It's gone. It has gone It has successfully
0: flown through.
1: It's also worth pointing out that a category we often uh, do have success in for an Irish filmmaker is best short film and live action short film category. This year, there is a short film called Stutterer, which was produced in the UK. But one of the co-directors was an Irishman named Benjamin Cleary congratulations because this was the first short film he had a director's role on and it's now an oscar nominee so like across the board there were just like so many great nominations for ireland and we're going to be watching it closely because it's it's um it's just exciting i think because like there, are, there is interesting stuff going on there from industry at the moment so you know mm-hmm. hopefully this isn't just like a lucky fluke where two two particularly good movies got nominated one year
0: uh uh ah, uh, uh, You have recently told me outside of this podcast you've come around to my thinking on Brooklyn. You can't say two pretty good movies, one pretty good movie, and Brooklyn.
1: I, I'm, I'm. Look, my, my view on Brooklyn <laughs> is evolving. Where I'm still, you know, defensive of it because I can understand why people who dislike it would really dislike it. But I also Which understand why just people. Me. I understand why people who like it like it. Well, it it may have been a good year for the Irish. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> there's another four-fifths of the globe who are feeling underrepresented at the Oscars. Uh, uh, on social media, hashtag Oscars so white got going when it was pointed out that for the second year in a row, all of the 20 uh, acting nominees were white people. And g- given the sort of demographic of Academy voters, I think it was about like 77% are male, 93% are white a huge bulk of that is white guys in their 50s and 60s quite set in their ways they all you know know other people in the industry and want to sort of support them putting a good word for each other's films ends up being you end up having years where it does feel quite tight-knit I mean if we're just looking at the best supporting actor category we have uh, Bane, Batman, the Hulk and Rocky Balboa literally Rocky Balboa all nominated Uh, Alongside Mark Rylance, Mark Rylance is the one kind of I know discovery. I guess you could say, and the rest of it is people who are already famous, already established. When, you know, the Oscars could be an opportunity to actually exalt other people who aren't uh, like as big names yet. You mean the the industry's
0: largest self-congratulatory backslapping awards could be opened up to include new
1: people? I think one is living in a fantasy cuckoo land. Well, I mean, charitably, I or or maybe a more charitable way of putting that is that the the Oscars is a televised event. They want lots of people to watch, so they want yeah, exactly lots of celebrities there. Um, but the thing is, just not all celebrities are white, and certainly not all celebrities who do good work that is you know would deserve recognition at stuff like this. No, I I, think I it, lost trying trying that sentence, track of that fine, sentence. That's fine. You are talking long enough. It's okay.
0: Uh... Well, what's think, your take on that? Well, no, I think this is a legitimate issue, and we were talking about this beforehand, and you brought up some, some very viable names, and I think that this, we're more deserving of nominations than Benicio Bobby del Toro got, yes. in
1: Sicario, Amanda Brugel in Room, a small part of the. I don't police think, officer, no, that, that is, the part's too small. Oh, I don't, she was I don't great, think. though. She is good, um, but it is isn't Oscar. It but isn't you have movies part. like. Aegis Elba, keep hearing I, about. He could have yeah, Beast of No Nation. I don't know whether that was because it was on Netflix that the Academy discounted uh, it or not. Um you know that's probably a reason they gave but just even with i i, I mentioned before that the last year was actually quite a good year mm. for african-american cinema like, like you had dope tangerine straight out compton you had creed which is getting nominations but not for the director or the uh, largely uh black cast it's for sylvester stallone <laughs> who's been around for ages and i have a horrible sneaking suspicion that they are going to give the oscar to sylvester stallone just as a kind of retirement present pass on the back but you know we, we'll get into that later because wasn't we... Michael B. Jordan nominated for an Oscar last year for Fruitvale Station I don't think he was oh, okay. and it sure certainly it was. wasn't last year if it was because oh, last year ago, is when this Oscar so white thing started because it was all white people the, w- w- one person but, uh, pointed out the best actress category it's Saoirse Ronan Jennifer Lawrence Brie Larson Kate Blanchett and Charlotte Rampling and somebody said, they all literally look like the same woman at different stages of her life. Mm. And I'm kind of like, uh, I, I, I'm reading that thinking like, I, I, I hate it when people say like, oh, all people of one race look the same. But then I look at the picture, I'm going like, oh my God, she's actually right. This actually does look like, that would be an amazing movie to see though. If you had the five of them playing the one character. I'd watch that, yeah. But yeah. but anyway, I think the issue more personally
0: for me is that I hate, no, um. <laughs> <laughs> Because this all came to light when Jada Pinkett Smith took to Facebook for reasons. No, 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 it came to light before it that. It did come to light. She, this she what, threw her, yes, you know. and she was like, my husband is so famous and why haven't you nominated him for an Oscar for that movie he did about the Dr. Man and the head trauma? Which I saw the trailer for before, I think, Room, and thought that looks like a pile of shit. And then now here she is, oh, why didn't you nominate Will Smith? Because maybe he wasn't that good, Jada, a.k.a. Fish Mooney. We all saw Gotham, we know what you did. I just feel like uh, her. She, she seems to be trying to instigate some kind of quota system, which is always a dodgy way to are go. Are you about sure these you're things. not
1: misinterpreting what she was? Um, well, okay, so the, the news story she... I
0: saw, sort of, it didn't. Okay, directly, say, it implied that her and Spike Lee, the way they conveyed their opinions in the news report I saw, implied they were edging towards advocating for a quota system, and that's just a bad way of doing it. I do agree; it shouldn't. It this year, at least, going on who was there, who made movies in the year. Um, it shouldn't have been an all-white nomination. Sarah based. Compton, Creed. Exactly. Tangerine, like, yeah. Girlhood apparently was very good. Didn't see yes, it. Uh, there's lots of nominations. Of course, there is. But I, I don't like the idea of because if they did a quota system, it would just be Will Smith every year because they like him and people will watch him. No, but
1: it, it would encourage more production of different projects that have black actors. So I yes, mean, yeah, but there's more names around now than Will Smith. Like.
0: Yes, every year it would be Will Smith, Denzel Washington, maybe Michael B. Jordan if he gets a bit more famous, and, like, Wesley Snipes, if he has, like, some kind sono- of çe- comeback role. Oh, but then That'd there are people,
1: it. there are people who, like, the, 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 the there, there are actors uh, of colour who will be in movies and they'll win an Oscar, like, in the sporting category or something, and then they don't. Do much as like they like have given it to uh, people of color who weren't big names before i'm not
0: saying they haven't but they, they were hmm, this is a very study you talk about they were quote unquote legitimate wins whereas if there was a quota system and they have to put in a person of color into the nominations list it will be will smith denser well i mean the, the, this whole
1: argument wins. about quotas it's, it's kind of like the inverse of that is like, it's like as if the oscars already have an unconscious quota mm. that overly favors white people oh no it is but and they should they should just be casting a wider net and actually just sort of Trying to be but more they inclusive, won't. By, but but because they're all kind of it's mostly middle aged people who are and older and older who are like setting their mm-hmm. ways, and they know lots of other people. But it's a huge. I mean, so it's like first, of all, it's a problem with how the academy is voting, but it's all or or the sort of demographic makeup of it. But there's also just an issue of, like, if the industry in general is. boys club or if it's just mainly white people who advance in networking i I mean there's i mean the gender issue again there was was no nominee for there was no female nominee for best director Mm -hmm. this year in ireland last year uh, waking the feminists another hashtag i think that sprung up about uh, gender inequality in theater and film it's like, it's an issue that comes up, and I think it's 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 a valid one to raise. I'm not, I'm not sure if we're going to reach any definitive conclusions here. Or you mean you're
0: not like, going to solve the race issue on well, a I podcast? Think we, should, we should give it's it a nice. go.
1: I mean, you know, it would certainly, the people listening would feel special having been there at that historic moment before people realized, you know? What do you say? No.
0: No, I, we'll I, move I have on things then. to do. I'm not, I am not <clears> time to solve the race issue tonight. Maybe next week. You
1: could solve the world's problems if you cared. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> That's part If of it, you were bothered, if you were Um I think what we could do though is go through uh, our predictions for uh, what's going to win which uh, category but uh, first we could review some of the movies that have been out and are going to be in the Oscars but first there were one or two Oscar movies that are not in consideration for the Oscars but we just thought we would have a short um, in other films corner just to review some other things um, Now I'd like to begin
0: this section by saying I finally watched Sisters, not really thinking I'd like it. We reviewed uh, this last year, but. No, you reviewed I this reviewed last it. year. You ranted about it for a solid 15 minutes, if memory serves. And I thought that it sounds, serves you very badly, but go on. That sounds bad. I don't want to see that. I saw the trailer. That looks bad. I don't want to see that. And then someone else whose view I like and tend to agree with, a friend of mine, said. More that often they, than mine. I, um, I'd say on par, but for different reasons. But she. <laughs> no, I mean, because I love Kingsman, she hated Kingsman. You hated Sisters, she loved Sisters. Like, okay, I'll give Sisters a go just to see who, which of you which of you I agree with. And dear listeners, Sisters is nowhere near as bad as Jonathan said it was. I'm not saying it's Spy. I'm not saying it's Tangerine. It's good. It's funny. It's solid. It's a little bit too long, but it's definitely too long. But not so long. St- bridesmaids was far more noticeably too long to me. But the story is more interesting,
1: and I enjoyed. The, it no, more. the
0: problem with bridesmaids is there was no story. It was there was a story, but it kept. Tracking itself to talk about completely irrelevant scenes that were just there for I don't know, Melissa McCarty falling down, probably. But this one, there was a very simple okay. I'll say this the setup is definitely an Adam Sandler movie. This, yeah. if you switch the genders, is an Adam Sandler movie. I'm not denying that, and I'm not saying if this was made, it would definitely be Adam Sandler and probably David Spade. No, Robert that satisfies me. Or, but this is funnier than that because okay, the Adam Sandler jokes, of which there are several, uh, are quite hit and miss. The sort of toilet humor isn't great at times. But I think once it hits the party sequence, which goes on for I'd say a solid hour and a half, maybe an hour and twenty, mm. it's it's really funny. The escalation because the start off the, the beginning of that is really funny because of that whole uh, we're also old adult parties are just people sitting around talking mm-hmm. about death. I thought that was really funny, and then it just escalates and keeps escalating. And then even the way they're trying to inverse the usual dynamic of her trying to shut the party down and the cops showing up and like oh she's a nice person now you you have your party to enjoy like all that stuff, inverting all that crap that was amusing. I know you said you hated that one character who's meant to be annoying, and yeah. he was—I hated him too when he's meant to be annoying. But once he was on drugs, he was very funny. Yeah, when but he's even then, it's just walking around kind of
1: It's kind of just lazy writing. Or oh, get this character on drugs, and then they'll act crazy, and that'll be funny.
0: It's lazy, but it's effective.
1: I'm a big fan of kind
0: of like non sequitur humor. So there's a bit. When, there's two characters in the room having a conversation, and he just walks by the room with a lamp on his head, screaming at them, and it just keeps going. And that's that's the entirety of his role. there's, there's, there's a. There's a
1: kind of amusing sort of end to his character where he becomes where all this nervous energy he has before is just dissipated because he hooks up with someone and now he's just completely calm and not at all Mm -hmm. sort of uh, eager to please and he's just sort of sure so I mean he's scary he's actually frightening wonderful okay um (sighs) <sighs> if 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 I had to highlight positive yes. things about sisters, I think there are characters like him who were minor characters who they, they had a kind of one note joke, but the, they each had their own arc where it paid off in an amusing mm-hmm. way. So Rachel Dratch's character, another one where she also takes drugs. And she goes into a room full of clocks and starts having existential <laughs> angst over time and its <laughs> philosophical implications. And later for for reasons we won't go into when that room gets destroyed, funny, uh, she, yeah. she then says, like we did it, we overcame time or something. And so I mean, I I, I mean, I would agree to the extent that when the party starts mm-hmm. jokes start to land more often. I I still think it's a pretty bad movie and totally missable, but it, it's kinda, it's kind of it's the second half is better than the first. I just think the first half is way too long, and it it just wasn't a great movie for me. See,
0: I was thinking about this if you're if you were to cut it down to ninety minutes, you'd need to lose most of that fat from the first half an hour. Yeah. But then that that leaves you with a ninety minute party movie and very little setup for it. And um, I I'm not sure the setup is necessarily funny, but I think it's necessary. Or good. But you need it narratively, I think, just because the party sequence is most of the movie. And as it, as it is, even though it doesn't ever outstay its welcome, it's still too long. But, well,
1: I don't know. Well, it's... look, I mean, the one character I did enjoy was John Cena. Did you enjoy him? No,
0: I didn't. That's the funny thing. As the one character I was kind of... He was fine. Like, I didn't actively what? hate him the way I did not Trainwreck. He was safe, boring. My
1: safe word is keep going. I was in tears. I was... I like, <laughs> really anyway. borderline rape humour. That, that's great. Um, Speaking of... um, But when the pool collapsed
0: in the sinkhole I just didn't know what was happening and I actually just clutched my head and started laughing and just like what is going on no <laughs> that oh, was great cr- no it was no, so stupid it was, so stupid. So it was dumb. incredibly dumb but it was just the necessary level of escalation to such a ludicrous <laughs> degree uh, did you see Bad Neighbours? yes did you like Bad Neighbours? I did yeah this felt to me like a slightly worse version of that it was kind of trained by way off. of Bad Neighbours yeah. uh, I, I still think it's good but it's not as good as Bad Neighbours or Spy or whatever else Bad Neighbours 2 is coming out Do you know that? I the trailer know. came out today. It's it a sorority I haven't seen yet.
1: house or something? Or no, it still says Rogan, but church? now it's
0: Chloe Grace Moretz as the neighbour. As a sorority Yeah, is. and I think yeah. then Zach Efron comes back to help him fight Chloe Moretz. Now, I want to see that movie based on that synopsis. I'm sure um, it'll be terrible, but that's an amazing no, idea for when, a movie. No, when
1: Bad Neighbours was out... I, I swear I saw on, on Twitter someone joking about the sequel. Is mm. going to, or, or that this movie would end with like Rose Seth Rogen going, I'm sure glad that wackiness is over. But just at that moment, a sorority house like yeah. pulls up outside the house and is going in, and it's like, no, and credits roll. Like, is, is how someone joked it would be. So they actually are just going for the really obvious setup for it. It didn't need a sequel because it actually ends in a nice note of Zach Efron
0: realizing that, you know, I won't be immortal forever. And, you see, Bad Neighbors yeah.
1: is. Is a better example of what Sisters was trying to be because it was was kind of it has characters who have these kind of emotional arcs that are like relatable to sort of everyday concerns. Whilst there are whilst there are these party scenes where people are doing crazy stuff. And it just got the balance, struck the balance a lot better and actually had a a better character dynamic, unlike Sisters. I disagree. I felt parents
0: were awful. They were just Oh, they were no—they were no easy no A parents, I'm quite but they were—they were, they were okay.
1: Easy A, the Emma Stone movie, yes, were really bringing that into it.
0: Stanley Tucci and who was the uh, wife? I forget. They're both very funny. Yeah,
1: a Kirk. So Look, will we? Uh, but let move me on.
0: finish to say, I disagree on that point about no having not having arcs. I actually felt really bad for Tina Fey's character towards the end when they called her up saying, "We'll give you the money for the house," and then she's like, "Oh, I better maybe I should actually grow up as a human being and she starts trying to shut the party down." I was—I like, actually feel genuinely bad for her now. I think Polar and Fey elevated what was probably lackluster material into a good a decent movie i think
1: not decent at all really lackluster shall we just agree to disagree on that
0: i suppose we'll have to it's a good thing we don't hate you know hmm, hint any other movies
1: (laughs) to um just a film i saw during the week uh it was on the ifi and then it screened in cork belfast and galway I hope it gets a cinema release soon so you can all see it. It was called Shem the Penman Sings Again. Uh, it This was an Irish movie about James Joyce and a, really, a friendship he had with a singer called John McCormick. Uh, do you know of John McCormick? Richard? No. Apparently uh, referenced in Miller's Crossing, the Coen Brothers film, used a lot in Boardwalk Empire. He was this kind of 1920s crooner from Dublin and he and Joyce were friends back in the in 1904 when Joyce was considering becoming a professional singer. James Joyce, as we all know, figured I could I could probably make an okay living because like, I'm I'm an all-right singer, but you know I won't be as successful as I want to be. I want to be great. Cause, so he goes and he becomes the literary icon he is, whereas John McCormick goes off and he has a very successful career selling millions of records, very well-known, quintessential music of the era, if you ever hear it, but nobody knows who he is now. And James Joyce is the one who spent his life living in obscurity, uh, struggling to find an audience, so... Documentary is partly about just how the, it, the flip occurs where one was really famous and then it swapped. But the thing is, it's, it's actually, it was originally conceived as a documentary. What they s- decided to do instead is it's a kind of semi-biopic. But it's very abstract because most of it is uh, shot in the su- style of silent films. Mm-hmm. But they do have reenactment of certain scenes from Finnegan's Wake, which were supposed to have been inspired by the relationship between... James Joyce and John McCormick, and it has all these interactions where there's just something very clever going on. There's lots of pretty good music. The visuals are stunning. I I just kind of, what I loved about it was that it actually had a good sense of aesthetic and it looked great and shot things in a creative, interesting way, which so many Irish films fail to do. (laughs) It's amazing how many Irish filmmakers don't think about aesthetics and how can you actually... Make your shot look interesting. So I, well, I hope it gets thing. a wider release. I mean, I, I, I just to to finish on this point, it's just it's kind of like Joyce's writing in that it's it's good, and you can go with the flow of it if you can go with the flow of it. But it's probably such a limited amount of people who mm. would read it to appreciate it. Like, cause I, I'm not saying this has popular appeal, but it is very good and very worth checking out. I mean, I'm like, was there something... I was going to make a jab at
0: Brooklyn about aesthetics, but I'm not going to bother. What I was going to say was, it's interesting that you should mention a film that takes what is a biography, essentially, and makes an abstract, weird thing about it, making it more relatable and watchable as a thing. The Danish Girl is not that movie.
1: Okay, so last month I also reviewed The Danish Girl. I gave it quite a favourable review, Mm -hmm. but I've since been, you know, learning how divisive the movie is. It really divides opinion. Um... I, I feel like you're, you're about to make some points that I don't necessarily disagree with. But I okay. mean, you just go through them and...
0: Well, yeah, I went into this expecting it to be good, again, based on what you'd said. And almost immediately took a mild disliking to it. And by the end, was quite irritated. But I don't think it's bad, by any means. I, I'm i trying to think of other Best Picture nominations
1: this year. I think... Because Danish Girl wasn't nominated it wasn't for Best nominated. Picture. It is nominated for Best Actor and Best Actress. In screenplay, maybe? No. No. Not screenplay, no. It, it um, got a lot less nominations than they were expecting because I think that the, the problem with The Danish Girl is that it tells the extraordinary story about Lily Elbow and the first people to undergo sex change operation mm-hmm. but it does it in a very straightforward kind of safe way. Yeah, this Doesn't... is
0: my issue. I think trans, the trans experience from what I understand from reading about it from writers and whatnot is it's it's very... You can't literalize it. It's not easy to make it relatable to non-trans people and... The problem with the movie is it's an admirable effort what they do, but it was misguided and failed from the beginning in that they were trying to make a very literal depiction of it. But what they ended up doing was making this strange, muddled, slightly borderline offensive version of things whereby the first hour of that movie is not about a trans woman. The first hour of that movie is about a cross-dressing fetishist. It's because every time redmane has women's clothes on, he's just kind go, of... Oh. And it's, it's all about... Vikander just touching him. Hang on, it's Einar and Verde, yes.
1: Y- Einar and Gerda. Gerda, yeah. sorry. Um, I've, 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 I've just, my into a minute, but just yes. a lot of trans people are critical of the movie. And one one mm-hmm. one thing that comes up is that uh, Einar's name is used a lot in discussions of the movie. Yes. And that that's offensive. You're dead naming them. But if, if this is a movie about the transition, the process of transition, I think. Depending what part of the story you're talking about. Well, I also it think the movie okay, I
0: mean... itself encourages talking about Einar rather than Lily, because the movie and this is another point I really didn't like about it, it, it makes it very clear that Einar and Lily are literally two separate personalities. And that's not what it should be like. As far as I'm aware, if you're trans, yes, you hide your true self to an extent until you've kinda of come out, but you're not literally two different people yeah it's
1: not separated the way it it, it is for like a long. of different stretch personalities
0: the movie. he talks with different memories it, it's I mean, very I mean the, mm.
1: the book the movie is partly based on Lily's own writings mm-hmm. of her experience of it so while it it may not be representative of trans experience it may have been a, a reflection of how uh, Lily experienced it which is fine I just I the movie itself
0: here's my problem with it I think on a fundamental level it's it's populist progressiveness, if that makes any sense. Is it the movie that your grandmother will go, go see at a matinee screening and it's going to... Have you seen that joke going around about Carol where it was some old couple went to see it and halfway through she was Harold, they're
1: lesbians! Yes, I love that. Some old couple. <laughs> yeah. Apparently one of them didn't understand what was going on. So it was like, like, Harold, they're lesbians. This
0: is that movie, but for okay, trans issues. Um, but Let me is, just finish the point. Is there
1: a problem with that kind of movie?
0: But No, but let me just finish what I was going to say. It's, it's not a problem with that kind of movie. The problem is that it gives an incredibly simplified version of that toward the goal of making it relatable to old cis white people and they don't matter you <laughs> know i know they're most of the box office but they don't matter
1: i think i think yeah i mean that is the issue with um there's a very good article actually uh, the walrus uh, canadian publication which is their equivalent of the new yorker yeah. i think they had they had a discussion between a trans writer and a cis writer and they were talking about this issue of Movies like this, in fact, in my own review, I, I think I alluded to Brokeback Mountain mm-hmm. as a comparison, that there are there are movies that come along where it's, it, like, it's showing, or it's, it's trying to represent what experience yeah. is like for marginalized people with a view to, you know, opening minds and changing attitudes of sort of mainstream audiences. But, I mean, the obvious objection there is... Why can't mainstream society just cop on? Exactly. Uh, like, why do you need to argue for something as basic as human dignity? And so that's why this—that's uh, why Danish girl anyway has rubbed a lot of trans people along with. Along well, it's way. not even
0: that. It's—it's it's the idea of trying to make an experience of a minority relatable to the majority. These terms are also loaded. You know what I'm saying though. Yeah. Uh, but in a way that. Essentially discredits or at least ignores the viewpoint of the minority it's trying to show.
1: Like in Danish girl it's Well I mean they consulted a lot of trans people when they were making and I'm I, sure they I think, did, I, think but it doesn't I mean I totally I mean I'm I'm reading about these issues more like from people's reactions to it. I, I still think it's for all its shortcomings, it's still sensitive and trying to help. I, I mean, I don't think it's going to do harm, but there there are people who do feel like it is doing harm, or, th- or they feel it's unforgivable that they cast as his actor at all. I
0: mean, I... Those are issues I'm not going to get into. I, I But I do feel that it never felt like a trans character to me. It felt like, first of all, it was a fetishist, then it involved... Then it's a split personality disorder. Then there's that whole sequence where he's just saying he's a repressed homosexual. Then...
1: Mm, no, no,
0: it's it's people are accusing him of that, or but he doesn't really deny it, and it's it's it's, uh, it's a weird movie. Redmayne's very good in it. Vikander's great in it. I will say I completely lost any sympathy for Lily and Iron. And I don't know how to talk about me because it's, it's the movie makes it two different people. Lily, right. Let's say Lily, because. She oh, okay. If Lily has the same memories as Einar, it's like talking about Doctor Who now. It's like generations. Uh, if Lily is Einar,
1: look, I think that says it. I, I think, I think it's kind of it was modeled in a. It's, it's execution. so much. Okay, if let You me just can finish make it. a Doctor <laughs> Who comparison, then. Okay, uh, look, I, 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 still think. I mean, the movie uh, moved me. I thought it was touching, still. But I mean, I, I totally get. I, I mean, I I understand better why people are mm. having problems with it. I well, no, but I, say and... I
0: even dramatically though, as a as a piece of like you know melodrama, I think it fails purely, not purely, partially because I lost all uh, sympathy for I- or Lily purely because at the end when she's going out with Ben Wishaw or whatever, it's all like <sighs> Gerda is so supportive the whole way through, and it's just thrown back in her face. Like she still wants to be married to her husband. She's almost to be at least friends with Lily, but there's Lily going, "Oh, I met a nice boy," and talking about her, like, this is horrible to do to your former wife. Do you not think? Like, if you
1: reverse situation of she, because remember with the Hans character, yeah, where
0: she sort of kisses him once and then goes, "No, I feel too guilty," about it and runs away.
1: No, but like the, uh, she's not dating Ben Weisha. She's just hanging out with him as a friend. But that I mean, but I suppose but at it's, the, the start, no, the they're going at at the start they are, but yeah. no, at that behind end, her no, back.
0: And it's horrible. Yeah. And no, I... I it, that, Gerda is a saint. <laughs> <laughs> Lily was a the movie, bit of a, The movie doesn't get across <laughs>
1: how famous Gerda was. Like, she was actually no. quite an important artist of that period, of the art whole Art Deco movement. But the movie just makes it appear like, oh yeah, she had some good gallery runs and more people bought her paintings. But it didn't get across that she was actually a celebrity, like a famous person. Actually, um,
0: speaking of the gallery runs, that was one thing that occurred to me. I think there's a reading of this movie that is unintentional, but incredibly fitting, is that... Her paintings aren't, they're doing fine. Uh, and then that one gallery owner doesn't want them until she starts painting Lily. And then suddenly it's, oh, now you're super famous. Everyone wants you, blah, blah, blah. You could definitely argue the point. That that's the movie self-aware, self-awarely reflecting the fact that it's commodifying the trans experience and the kind of populist hybrid oh. art. Mind blown. And yeah, I, I look forward to those essays being written. Wow. <laughs> Maybe by me, I not mean... by me.
1: I mean, one does wonder what might have happened with a more interesting director. At one point, Thomas Alfredson was attached to did *Let the Right One In* and *Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy*. That could have been however, more boring, but however, the actor attached to play Lily and Einar was Nicole Kidman, and I think that would have been awkward because, first of all, she's not as good an actor as Eddie Redmayne, and it it just I I mean, it's arguable. Okay, maybe if if it was a cis woman, at least that would sort of highlight the point of transgenderism more Mm. that's a woman all along it's not a man becoming a woman but you know at the same time I, i mean it was i suppose it was just made for a general audience it was made to have oscar buzz and they cast the person like from there just leaving aside right and wrong just from the financier's perspective Redmayne had just won an oscar for the exact same film structurally. Oh, it was smart casting. That was it, yeah. you know, because it was just it was it undergoes a physical transformation while his wife's really supportive. Like it's it's beat by beat, just it's so similar. So you know that's why they so really just if for money, you know, they were doing that. And oh, yeah, that's rather like, than get yeah. a fa- one of the big A list women to play Gerda and get a trans actor to play Lady. Although although they would have to play Einar as well then, so mm. our transform feels about that. But no but look there should absolutely be more opportunity for trans people to tell their own stories, this movie might help in that process. Somebody who sees this might then want to watch Tangerine or Transparent or Sensate or any of the other... I doubt it. ...things that are on... I, I mean, that's the whole idea. And, and and yes, okay, it's 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 shitty that you have to, like, sort of convince mainstream mm-hmm. society. But, so, but I mean, I, I don't think it, the movie will do harm on balance. Like. I feel like it could oversimplify
0: people's view people who don't understand these issues their views of how these issues work and it could that could be potentially harmful
1: well or it could lead to them having more curiosity again like the race I issues this is stone. not one
0: we're going to solve tonight so let's
1: just move on look i mean we're giving up on racial equality on uh, <laughs> uh inclusion harmony for all mankind people. uh i mean we're, we're i mean at least tell me we'll get to global warming um I mean, I suppose, what, I, I, mean, or, I mean, or I mean, <laughs> is what is even... a relevant movie to global warming? There's a relevant movie to uh, financial regulation. The Big Short. Uh. Uh, the Big Short is getting lots of Oscar nominations, lots and lots and lots. Best Picture, Best Director, Christian Bale as Best Supporting Actor, Best adapted Screenplay, uh, based on a book about the 2008 financial crisis and the weird stuff going on, the shady dealings of the American housing market in the years leading up to it. And it it follows a few different people. It's from Adam McKay, who directed the Anchorman movies and had background in Saturday Night Live and stuff. So this is. He's been directing comedies up until now. This is the first feature film he's directed that doesn't have Will Ferrell in it. <laughs> and he's getting Oscar nominations for it. And I suppose it straddles the line between comedy and drama a bit because there are there are kind of funny moments, but it is pretty dramatic. I mean, one of the th- one of the things. I was concerned about is that it does sound like a very Oscar baity movie because of the people involved. There's Christian Bale, Steve Carell, Christian Bale, Steve Carell, Ryan Gosling, and Brad Pitt, and it it it's its inclusion in all the sh- uh, in all the no- nomination lists. I I wasn't sure what kind of movie this would be. That would just be kind of bland and safe. And it does something kind of interesting, where that it's okay to. It's comfortable drawing attention to itself. Or you know those scenes in Wolf of Wall Street? Haven't seen Wolf of Wall Street. Dear listener, where um, Leonardo DiCaprio is explaining all the financial dealings to camera and then saying, look, you can't follow this, just the bottom line. uh, Movies about financial regulations and shady dealings are just, they're, they're hard to make interesting. So the movie kind of, it has this voiceover and it kind of gives up 10 minutes in and says... Here's Margot Robbie in a bubble bath to explain. <laughs> and that's a one-minute scene of Margot Robbie talking to camera, drinking champagne, explaining okay. something. They do that a few times. They have actors break character, look at the camera and say, uh, this isn't what actually happened. He found this out uh, when he was having breakfast and I was in town doing something else. But this scene was created for the movie to get across the information. It starts drawing attention to when it changes stuff uh, yeah. from what historically happened, which... <laughs> You know, That's I mean, da- cool. Danish Girl is a guilty offender of doing that. But this is this is a movie that is also doing that and then thinking, you know, what? we can make a gag out of this. And yeah, that happens a few times. So it's interesting. It's kind of I mean, is it funny, though? Yes. At times, yes. In terms of explaining the financial stuff, at first, it completely fails to explain what subprime mortgage is and what all these different terms are. It does the sort of cop-out thing of saying you're not supposed to understand because bankers make it deliberately difficult to understand. Yeah. As the movie goes on, though, they start finding clearer and clearer ways to explain what's going on. And in, and if all else fails, just tell by how angry Steve Carell gets. And you know it's a worse thing. It's like, do you ever hear that thing about trying to watch a movie on mute and seeing if you can still follow it? If you, yeah. if you kind of watch this... Try not to worry too much about what the words mean. If you just look at the tonality <laughs> of the actors and what they're talking about, you should be able to follow it. And it it's kind of like a, a Michael Moore film done right. That's oh, you know what? It's it's definitely coming from that liberal political yeah. place, but Michael Moore is really slimy and it's kind of well, it's, yes. it's it's not quite in terms of like take taking liberties with facts or having a really obnoxious tone, it doesn't go quite that far. As it's like but... done
0: right, like it's not, not yeah. as massively biased as them. Which
1: are. is why I can see now why it's in the running for so many Oscars, because they might consider it a statement on the financial crisis, which something which affected them all. So which America <laughs> has yet to come to terms with, and which the ending of the movie makes quite clear because the bad guys win and like up until this point there are like there are serious moments and there are funny moments but the tone in general is lighthearted. and there are glimpses of the kind of darkness coming though and it gets to the ending where it's just about how not only there's been no reform since the financial crisis but all the sort of economic indicators that were going on before the financial crisis are happening right now and it's 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 just a really bleak and and it's not like a call to arms ending either it's just sort of laying the facts out there and making you feel really hollow and disillusioned and afraid uh so it <laughs> it's it's so on the one hand sounds like my kind of movie from the way oh you would love it because it gets bleak and the thing is the bleakness if I said it comes out of nowhere at the end, that sounds like the movie wasn't tonally consistent. Yes. But I think the effect it has is that you're watching the movie and there are funny bits with Ryan Gosling and Steve Carell or whatever. Um, and it gets the ending. Then it kind of gets across the points that so many people thought, oh, oh, these are the good times. And then the financial crash just hit and surprised them. The point of this movie is that it follows characters who see it coming, so they start betting against the stock market. Uh, The people who are sort of investing in them are getting more and more antsy because they're making these doomsday predictions about the economy. And the tension in watching the movie, because we all know, we must know that doesn't have a happy ending anyway. But it's the idea that these scenes are really tense then, because it might say it's April 2007, and an investor will say, this is your last chance, you've been saying there's going to be a crash, and it hasn't happened, uh, so you're just being a delusional... And as the audience, you're going no, but they are right. But just like so, then you're wondering, well, how does this scene get resolved then? Because they have to like make it until the financial yeah. crash happens to prove that they were right. So I mean, it's definitely interesting. It's kind of it's kind of I can yeah, it, it, it's pretty good. I'd recommend it. I mean, the, the one thing it did get an Oscar nomination for, uh, among all of them, was uh, Christian Bale's acting. And of all the performances in it, I think if 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 anyone had to be nominated, I would have thought steve carell rather than christian bale christian I bale christian
0: bale is kind of the the, the male jennifer lawrence now and that every movie he does if it's oscar enough he'll get nominated i for thought it. that was bradley cooper uh, well because mm. they it's it, all
1: these <laughs> fucking guys in their 50s and 60s they all like meryl streep for some reason they all like jennifer lawrence for some reason there's just a bunch of people they keep nominating like whatever meryl streep and jennifer lawrence well christian bale doesn't this it's a Rain Man kind of character. Yeah. It's all based on real people, but this guy did have Asperger's. And this is something I'm a bit sensitive to because I'm noticing this more and more in movies, whether it's Miles Teller in Whiplash or Jake Gyllenhaal in Nightcrawler. There are just certain movies I watch now where it's just like the, the this is like a thing for male actors to do. They have to give like the autistic performance and Christian Bale does this. And there are bits of it that are just a bit Rain Man-y and a bit stereotypical. There are other bits, though, where he's talking to people and it's just subtle things about the way he avoids eye contact or he kind of sounds exasperated when he talks that it, it it's it, it's like those bits will be right, will ring true. But it's just a bit of a mixed bag. Mm. So it's it's on the whole, like it's an OK performance, but it's being included in these Oscar nominations when, you know, as I said, people were concerned about lack of diversity. Christian Bale has already won an Oscar in this category as just kind of you know, what are the academy thinking? Is it really on merit, or is it just they like certain people, and they want to recognize their work?
0: Well, they do tend to go for cat or ask, uh, actors that are trying to prefer, like play people with illnesses or disabilities and stuff. So that makes a lot of sense as a safe casting or a safe Oscar nomination choice that they would go for Christian Bale playing you know an Asperger's character. That makes sense. It's depressing, but it makes sense. I mean, the movie like the Tropic Thunder joke, you know, <laughs>
1: I As should not in, repeat the
0: full joke, but... Is this Robert Downey Jr. Yes. doing blackface? For no, which no, no, he got no, no, no. an Oscar no, no. nomination. That was funny. That was so many levels of meta, it was funny. No, no, the bit in the movie itself, when they're talking about... Um, it was Ben Siddharth's character, wasn't it? The, the never-go-full...
1: Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, you see which Christian Bale doesn't, but it's a very nervous. That that's what I mean. That's what you saying, never-go-full,
0: but you do it kind of in the middle level and you get an no- Oscar-nominated. Yeah, well... Um... That was a See funny anyway. movie, wasn't it? In hindsight, Tropic Thunder* was actually really good. Anyway, that was irrelevant to the current conversation.
1: Mm. I'm not looking forward to *Zoolander 2*. I must say, you it? of all people, I thought would be. the The teaser trailer was very good. I, I did laugh. I was like, "Okay, no, this might be good." Then the second trailer comes out, and it's just it. it's, it's 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 there's the aside from the thing, Benedict Cumberbatch yeah. thing, it's just not funny. It just doesn't look like it's going to be good. Then. Benedict Cumberbatch—it's a job at a particular model whose name I can't remember who was transgendered, but uh, plays a model called All who is non-binary, uh, transgendered, and just identifies all is all. And I think I, I I think Ben Stiller was just careless. I don't think he was setting out to kick down at trans people. No. I think he just thought, isn't the mental image of a dead-eyed Benedict Cumberbatch saying all is all amusing? And yes, that's what they went is, for, but it was completely. Theory. No, but then it's just like, you know, it's like, it's, it's kicking down, you know, yeah. it's, it's just like, oh, aren't, aren't trans people pretentious freaks, you know, is, is the message of that, or of that clip, seeing it out of context of the movie, but the movie looks dreadful, so I'm not sure I will see it. I still have a sneaking
0: suspicion you'll like it purely because you put Man 2 in your
1: top 10 that year. No, I took it out of my top 10 then. This was a few <laughs> years ago. I decided Anchorman 2, no, that's not a top 10 movie. It was there for a minute. But, anyway. uh, you know, Adam McKay, anyway, he's gone from Anchorman 2 to The Big Short, so... Oh, it's, good call. It's, it's, it's a good... good, good nice. It, but it's a good <laughs> turning point for his career. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see what he does now because he definitely does do an interesting spin on this kind of movie, mm. which are usually so dense and uh, kind of a chore to watch. This actually kind of moved along pretty well. So, yeah, I'd say go see The Big Short. It's one of the Oscar big Oscar contenders anyway, alongside... Uh, well, you said, you mentioned Chore to
0: Watch, a film that I know you found a chore to watch, but which, again, in keeping with the to- the theme of Richard Doesn't hear John's Opinions, I rather enjoyed. That is, of course, the allegedly eighth film from Quentin Tarantino. From what I understand, it only counts as eight if you, what is it again? If you ignore Four Rooms yeah. and count Kill Bill as one movie <laughs> or something like that, I don't know. Tarantino, just jump off a bridge. But oh I, please do that please do that Tarantino <laughs> and film it but you know some slow motion score over it and make it all artsy but you know just just go away please hatefully go. so the story is it's post civil war uh, it's basically just a Agatha Christie movie crossed the thing a little bit set in Red Rock Wyoming which I know got a few laughs in the cinema I saw it in I was going because of the TV show opera I hate <laughs> art audiences so much said <laughs> so, yes uh, at minnie's hebedessery to quote in tim roth voice which is the most delightful phrase i hear out loud i'm, I'm going
1: i'm going to rip this piece of shit movie to shreds before i do mm. i will say tim roth was funny he, yeah, he, was his funny. character was quite posh and very amusing and it's like it's him kurt russell and samuel jackson walton goggins jennifer jason lee who's now nominated for an oscar even though her performance was quite hammy uh, that, uh, does, that doesn't make it a good mm. performance just because you commit to it um, <clears throat> they're, they're, I mean there's some pretty solid acting but I, yes. I um, it gets so tiring to watch it's okay I went didn't
0: expect the length to bug me I really did because I got very bored of Django and this one I think is longer than Django and confined to one location so, long. so I, I was really going in bracing myself for this to be excruciating on a level similar to Brooklyn or Heart to be a
1: God it was not it, absol- it so was it's so unbel- I like I, I'm we definitely watch the same movie, right? Where it's two hours and forty minutes and it takes forever to get to the shack and then most of the movie is set in the shack and then more than two hours into the movie there's a flashback saying earlier that morning Which was necessary
0: like, narratively, we'll get that in a minute. Anyway, what I was going to say was, hard to be a god. The difference is that the dialogue made sense here. It flowed from scene to scene, and it was no, amazing. it
1: did not flow. Okay, this this this, this was a huge. You clicking your with fingers Tarantino. does not make you right, but okay. This Tar- Tarantino is overwriting his dialogue yes. way way too Always much. Always did in this though. Movie. There, like it'd be exchanges like, "You sure look sorry since you that thing you did. Did you hear about the thing that he did? No, I didn't. You didn't hear about the thing that he did? No. Why don't you tell us about it?" You're telling me. You didn't hear about the thing that he did. No, so just tell us. Well, boy, it's sure a sorry story. Are you sure you want to tell me about... (laughs) I really wanted to die. I really wanted to die. It was so... Oh, God. Excruciating, hacky writing. Awful. Also, talking about the characters having done stuff that sounds like a more interesting movie than the movie we get. I mean, the story is that they're all in this shack. Jennifer Jason Leigh is a prisoner of Bounty Hunter played by Kurt Russell. Mm Mm-hmm. And they have to get through the night. Kurt Russell suspects something's a bit dodgy that at least one of the people in the shack is actually in the same gang as her and is trying to spring her free. So it's a mystery all about kind of trying to narrow it down to who it is. The movie almost gets interesting when uh, coffee is poisoned and some characters die. So they have to narrow it down further Mm -hmm. as to who poisoned the coffee. That would have been interesting, even though you've no reason to invest in any of the characters because they're all awful people. Like that would have been interesting if it got there sooner. I felt like this was too long. This could easily have been under two hours. Easily, easily, easily. It was. Yeah, but so good, so Inglourious. So watch.
0: good, Django. So good, everything. This is just. I think you have to accept certain things about Tarantino at this point. This is the movie he's going to keep making. This he's feels going to really
1: make... different to Inglourious Bastards and Django Unchained. The characters in those movies were charming. You cared about what happened to them. No. Like this. This was. This dragged so
0: badly. I didn't care about Django for the entire movie. With Django I didn't care about Christoph Waltz and Django. I didn't care about. Okay, for my money, this is better than Django. If I was ranking Tarantino movies, Django is at the bottom. This is second from the bottom. This would come dead last for me. Like, this is worse than Death Proof, people. Okay, I haven't seen Death Proof, uh, so I can't rank that one. But <laughs> I, no, I think, yes, I'll agree with you, the characters are all horrible, but that's the point of it. This is actually the perfect example of something that's been bugging me for years. When people talk about movies with antagonists or, prota- or antagonists as prota- protagonists, this is what it should always look like. I, the comparison he come back to in my mind is Hannibal Rising because in that movie they went, here's Hannibal Lecter he's the bad guy, let's make a movie about the bad guy so who's he hunting down? People worse than him no 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 no, you do not make the character that is an antagonist relatable or nice Hateful gets it right, they're all horrible people, you want them all dead and you basically get your wish, and that's good but they're all enjoyable while they're there Tim Roth is funny, Sam Jackson is Sam Jackson and enjoyable, Kurt Russell is gruff and amusing Bruce Stern is fine Janet, Jason Lee, I thought she was great. Um, Walter Goggins was brilliant, even though I absolutely despise his character. I really (laughs) hate his character in but I still thought he was fun to watch. He was enjoyable. Michael Madsen is only here because Tarantino feels sorry for him and keeps giving him money because he's so very much in debt to Tarantino himself, I think, actually, at this point. Um, No, I, I think if any complaints I have about it are, I don't think it's visually as interesting as it could have been. I still feel they did a very good job, given that it's one location primarily, it never got boring visually per se, but it is disappointing given how visual Tarantino is and given that this was shot in like 70mm and stuff, I think. Or not shot, but uh, presented it. Yeah, yeah. Very
1: rare film format for these yeah, days anyway. It's, it's a bit of a waste
0: because there's some landscape shots but not many. The
1: landscape shots are of snowy mountains. I would have found them impressive if I hadn't already seen The Revenant at this point. Revenant which just takes it to that, a yes. whole new level. So, that, I mean, that that is unfortunate. But, um,
0: um, but quickly <clears> on the length <throat> thing one more time if this was released on netflix or straight to dvd that link's unforgivable it really is i think if you're in a cinema with it it's fine it never dragged per se for me i think it was all okay It was fine it's sort of like a gaspinoa film it's sort of like hard to be a god it's it's one of those, if you're no, sitting in a cinema it's like... okay if you can't leave
1: you'll pay attention to
0: it if you're watching it at home you'll be bored and leave
1: if if he did this as a play as it was at one point intended yes. to be I don't think I'd have as much of a problem with it. I think it because it's mostly set in the one location. Uh, if this was a play kind of, you forgive them for having more, having the dialogue yeah. explain everything and have nothing explained through visual storytelling. It, it, it really just feels like this is, the reason I hate this so much is because I like Tarantino's other movies and here he, it, it just feels like a failure of visual storytelling. The way he has to explain so much about the other characters rather than showing it the way that he starts narrating the movie more than halfway through it. To fill in the gaps of what his footage couldn't get across, uh, the 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 flashback felt really clunky to me, and it dragged way too long. The, the The editor should be barred from the film industry. Tarantino should just start writing plays and keep doing that. Not inflict another movie on us. I've really turned against him in this one. It just really grated with me. The funny thing it was about the so editing. Frustrating to watch. That you're
0: saying that I. Download the soundtrack, and the only way sometimes soundtracks will have those legally, bits. Legally, yes, no, legally. <laughs> um, I can show you the iTunes if you want. But no, the only way sometimes soundtracks have those bits where it's just like audio samples, hmm? and the soundtrack just on the like like minute long bits or whatever. There's one in there of an interaction between I think it's Bruce Dern and Sam Jackson, and Walter Goggins, which isn't in the movie. Uh, it's like a minute long scene that wasn't in the movie. It's on the soundtrack, and oh. I I can see why they cut it out. It goes nowhere. So the editing was definitely. Oh no, there actually was more They actually did good fluff. editing, yes. There, there was, was even more fluff and, and, like, genuine fluff. That was terrible. And I'm glad they cut it out. But Oh, Muhammad, peace I, be upon you. Oh. What was I going to say? I feel like... Um, yeah, there, wasn't one, there a
1: scene that exactly copied Last House on the Left? Like with the soundtrack, soundtrack the and... The, the sound soundtrack apparently recording. includes
0: bits from The Exorcist 2, Last House on the Left, and then Marcone's unused thing hmm. themes.
1: You see, usually I like Tarantino's choices of music as well. And I'm just like... Look, look, again, I, I, I really hate this movie. I think it's awful shit. But I, I'm i someone who likes Tarantino's other movies. And I, I feel like this represents a real low point. I feel him, the soundtrack,
0: so. though, was nicely reined in. I feel like if there was too much uh, licensed track, so There's obviously a bit of White Stripes in there. There's a uh, Roy Urban song at the end. But there's only, like, three non-score songs. And I think that was a good number because... It, like, again, I love Inglorious Bastards and I love the soundtrack of that movie, but it, it is very jarring at points. Like, you know, David Bowie, rest in peace, uh, playing during the the montage scene and some of that. It, like, it's very weird, and I feel like this one, it felt more hermetically sealed, both visually and hourly, and I think that's fine. And I know you didn't like the voiceover, I thought it was fine, purely because.
1: It's him admitting he's failed as a filmmaker. No, I feel I like it would have added
0: another 10 minutes to the movie to show those things could visually.
1: Could he have at least. Could there have been a bit of voiceover at the start? Then again, twenty minutes later, if you're going to introduce voiceover at all, at least have it a thing that's be a thing that's all the way through the movie. Don't wait till more than halfway through the movie before you introduce it. I would hate it less if it, it'd been like if it didn't just start happening. Like, well, to put the same
0: question to you then, um, did you find it a problem in Mad Max Fury Road the fact that uh, he kept? upping the frame rate every now and again oh, purely when scenes drag he's up the frame rate so that it was not fast forward.
1: No, that didn't bother me. I thought you were going to ask me about... Because uh, that how... happened like
0: maybe three times tops
1: but th- it happened out of nowhere. I thought you were going to I thought you were going to ask me about how Tom Hardy has voiceover at the start and the end of it but not no, that's fine. With the rest of it. That. No, but I hate that. I think if you're going to first of all you should avoid voiceover if you can but if you are going to use it at least make it part of the movie like A Clockwork Orange or Fight Club does. Like, you know, don't just have it at a bit at the start and a bit at the end. Certainly do not Oscar and Palm d'Or winning filmmaker Quentin Tarantino, do not put it more than halfway in through your movie before you introduce it at all. Like, that is... Uh, it's it's such a failure.
0: It's- no, I, see, I think it's an issue. It's just, it's a tool in the box rather than a necessary, like a narrative technique. Yes, if you want to have voiceover the whole way through, you can do what you're saying. But I have no issue with someone just halfway through putting voiceover in. That's fine to I be.
1: really really do. It's uh... and the
0: flashback also this is this is you're saying it should've been a play. It could have been a play or a novel. That's a very novel structure where while you have the story there's a very sudden out of nowhere twist with no context mm. and then you flash back to show the twist being set up. That's
1: fine. it's split into fine. six chapters and two of the Which chapters Which is a thing he always does and I mean, just there's no reason I for that. There it was no reason for Flurie's that in Bastard, that either. It like yeah, but it's not as no. It doesn't
0: stick out like a sore thumb the way it does here. Like the, it didn't really stick out for me here because it's as his thing now. He just does chapters for no reason. Like it wasn't necessary in Glorious Bastards either. It's just, it's there now. And that's well,
1: what... to to me, it's a decline. To you, it's, it's yeah. fine. It's perfectly fine. Well, I we, enjoyed uh, and, it, and, and we
0: rhyme. I probably so. wouldn't watch it again soon, uh, but I'll never watch Django again either. So it's
1: it's fine. We'll agree to disagree. R.I.P. David Bowie. And also, Alan Rickman, who also passed away. And some guy from a band called The Eagles. Um,
0: You know, all of you... (laughs) But that's not a movie thing, so let's move on.
1: (laughs) We're losing so many beautiful souls. Um, But I think we can press on maybe a story, uh, maybe a movie about endurance and uh, the human spirit kind of just pushing through adversity. Was there any movie out like that recently?
0: I feel like we can pick from a couple of them,
1: both being with the letter or Yeah, well... um, we have the revenant which is mm-hmm. getting lots of oscar buzz uh, especially for leo let's 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 just get this out of the way leo, why did this or, or become as he a says thing? his name in the movie he's not a xenomorph he's a reckon, he's a, he's he, there's a lot of, there's he's there's a lot of true teeth breathing in this he's based movie. on he's based on a real person in 1820s colonial america who um gets mauled by a bear is left is betrayed and left for dead by uh is Bane. Company of hunters he's with. Uh played play by mainly Tom Hardy, Bane. And uh he survives and tries to hunt Tom Hardy down for revenge. Um Essentially, uh, yeah. Yeah, and it's it's become a thing now. People are expecting Leonardo DiCaprio to win an Oscar. This has become a thing.
0: I've never got this. Like, I've always thought he's good. Uh, he, 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 he's he a competent yes. actor.
1: He delivers what? his lines. He emotes. He's good at shouting and explaining things. Um, but you has can has always see presence. the acting. You can he always see the presence.
0: acting. He never vanishes into a role. It's always DiCaprio acting. I think acting. there are two exceptions to this. <laughs> I, if I, you can. I, I
1: i Catch me if you can. Okay, yes. I, I've seen bits of it, actually. I've been meaning to oh, watch it. Good. Okay, so there are three exceptions. There's that. <laughs> uh, there is... Django Unchained, where I do think he disappeared okay, into yeah, the character. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't just, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio. I'll go with that. And I think this I think he did disappear into the character here. I think he
0: did for portions of it. When he's doing the mouth breathing acting, which is a good chunk of the first hour, I was very much aware this was DiCaprio acting with a capital A and it was a bit funny at times. Because like he doesn't have dialogue for a solid ninety minutes, I think like, there's, like it's, it's, it's all or just and wheezing and grunting and falling and moaning and it's cauterizing not his own wounds with gunpowder and sort of.
1: I mean, we'll we'll get to his chances as an Oscar contender when mm. we go through Oscar predictions. <clears throat> the movie as a whole, I was blown away by the first hour of it. I thought it looked amazing. Uh, uh, the middle drags. Because a lot of it is like him walking across a snowy vista. Now he's set up a campfire for the night. Now he's walking across another snowy vista. And it, it kind of drags a lot in the middle. Then the ending I thought was stunning. There is a fight scene where, with such good choreography. Yeah, The fluid long takes of Emmanuel Lubezki are something I adore. Uh, this is the same cinematographer as Children of Men. He has won Oscars two years in a row now for Gravity and Birdman. He's done Terence Malick's recent movies. Uh, he is... Done... Oh, has he?
0: That makes so... I was thinking during this, this is very Terence malick in places. Because... Yeah, good.
1: And you know, Terrence Malick is not a good filmmaker. He's a great video artist. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, his, if, he, if his movies were like 10 minutes long and we're in galleries, I, I'd love them. Uh, Cat in the Hat, the Dr. Seuss movie of Mike Myers. Emmanuel no, Lebesgue also bad. did that. I only just throw that in because it's bizarre that he's one of like the single best cinematographers working in the world today, but he did that movie. Um... Uh, but he, he here the, it's an ari alexa shooting natural light in the canadian rockies and the argentinian andes and it moves so fluidly i just don't know how they could have had a film crew there at all it's it's not the it's not quite the same as gravity or birdman where it's very smooth long takes that like you know Thankfully. make make a thing out of how long it is mm. it will cut to another shot if it needs to but often they just stage it in such an interesting way um that, like, it's... Oh, it it really looks stunning. Uh, I thought it was all so well-crafted, the production design and everything... Do you do you think Donald Gleason is good in this? Because this seems to be a thing for you. Every time we discuss what kind of role he's suitable for, here Donald Gleason plays the captain of a company of men who get attacked by. He plays uh, General
0: Hooks again, but for kind of the opposite side.
1: For the opposite, um, that's well, actually no, he plays it.
0: General Hooks <clears> on <with> the <throat> same side, just from Andrew Roof for the mm-hmm. Empire this time.
1: Are, are we referring to the sort of issue of Native Americans in cinema that that kind so of? Uh, here's what happens with the uh, a scene early on in the movie. Where where Leonardo DiCaprio's company is attacked by Native Americans and all of uh, lots of them are dying, but the camera the take just keeps on going, so it's all it's it's really exciting. Is is it bad? I don't feel bad for them because they are technically invading the country the Native Americans have lived in for centuries, and I kind of like I'm not I'm not happy about their deaths, but I'm kind of like that's that's fair enough. It's you know because it's like.
0: As a misanthrope, I felt <laughs> bad for no one. Um, it was all fine. <laughs> I was happy that Hardy got his just mm-hmm. at the end. I mean, there's like, there a
1: thing with these kind of movies where they make it all about the white people. Native Americans have these tragic stories to tell. But as we discussed earlier, Hollywood makes certain kinds of movies of certain kinds of people. With this movie, there is at least a subplot about a, a Native American who has his own quest for... Uh, avenging wrongdoings against which his I daughter. thought was
0: actually paid off very nicely. I, I yes. didn't quite see that uh, intersection of those two coming the way it did. And that was actually that was quite well done.
1: Yeah, so I, d- I don't think it's kind of there yet in terms of like a, a, a great portrayal of Native Americans, but certainly it was a lot more sympathetic and humanizing than mm. it usually is in Hollywood movies.
0: Well, I feel on the whole, I was very anxious about seeing this because I did not like Birdman. I really didn't. It really annoyed me. And the combination of Birdman and DiCaprio, or sorry, the combination of Inyaratu and DiCaprio, I was kind of like, oh, this is going to be some <laughs> insufferable shite. It is very good. I actually don't even think the middle bit dragged, but you said it did. If anything, I found the more boring pieces just when he was still in his um, company stretcher, kind of going, <sighs> yeah, <laughs> that was a bit dull for me. Uh, there, I really like this. I think it's visually stunning. It looks. Yeah, yeah, it's very Malaki, but Maliki with a better story around it. I think thematically, there's undeniably some Herzog in there. Although I think it gets more linear towards the end, which is not a problem. It kind of my there, mind... there's a
1: bit of a muddled kind of resolution. Uh, we we won't get into, but there's in terms there? of in terms of the theme of vengeance and uh, an expression like only gods can uh, give out vengeance or justice it, 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 yeah. justice is in god's hand revenge is in god's hands it was some kind of thing like that that motivates a character to do something that then y- you think it's like them turning their back on something but at the same time they're causing the thing they wanted to do I don't anyway, know. yeah so. that
0: same thought occurred to me and it kind of annoyed me but i do feel like it, it's hard to watch this and not see Aguirre, wrath of god and it kind of feels like the force awakens to Aguirre's new hope if that makes sense and it's sort of a retry of the same plot and it's not the same plot but the same rough. Arc and even the whole boat thing is clearly a reference to it, and, but with shinier, newer technologies, and Donald Gleason also again.
1: I think, I think this might be remembered as a classic. I, I think the test is a few years from now, are people still going to talk about this movie? I have a hunch they might.
0: I have no impetus to watch it again, but I could see myself wanting to kind of give it a go in maybe two years' time, but. Sort of like Hateful Eight. It's very much a cinema experience. Yeah, see I'm this on a big sure screen. Biggest screen DVD. you can. See it on the biggest screen you can. Oh, There's, there's one shot in particular when it's, uh, I assume, it's a helicopter shot of them following Leo walking through what looks like a frozen lake. Yeah. And he's like this like speck on the screen. And I, can, I wish I'd seen an IMAX for that one, for that one shot. But it actually looking gets incredible. closer and closer to yeah, it, doesn't it's it? It's surprisingly, it?
1: just, it's amazing It does such creative things. Um, yeah, this is really, really good filmmaking. Downside. Caliber.
0: The verified little crap. Everyone was talking about how great I the bear loved fight that. was. It that was, was so tense. Was fine. For me. Bits was... of it were cool. It was fine. Very clearly a CGI bear. You could have at least got a guy with some fur on him. I don't know. Okay. Anything. Like, it was impressive that it was largely one take. Again, that's the only thing I'm going to say. The one take thing, yes. This was a much better deployment of the one take than Birdman. Because it wasn't, like you said, it wasn't constant. They used it when they could, but they would cut away if they needed to. Thank you for finally reining yourself in in R2 because this is. Now I'm like, okay, maybe he's a good filmmaker. Maybe he can make a not insufferable pile of wank. So yes, Revenant, pretty good, not amazing, pretty good. How many more
1: movies do we have to discuss? I think it's just
0: the one. Then not the just,
1: and it really is the one. It is um, of of all the other movies recommending, I just kind of I feel bad recommending anything else while Room is in the cinemas. I think Room is in a league of its own, far above anything else that's been out this past year. It was, uh, it it really is emotionally gripping and I I, uh, I, I, I cried mm-hmm. Actually, you mm-hmm. said you were brought close to tears I think
0: what I said was yeah I, I, my, my streak of not crying at movies remains unbroken but this came close to breaking that streak a couple of times oh, what, what you did you say heartless. like you bastard you, you were angry at me for this fact for
1: some reason that the the fact that it's just you you were close. I kind of <laughs> thought like I really want to know whether Richard will like this or d- would he think the the scenario of uh, a woman and her son being held captive if he wanted it to go bleaker than it did. I was kind of no, curious to see how you'd here's react. Here's what it. I think about
0: that. I I actually think it, it in many ways it was bleaker than it initially appears because it's a hard fun to talk about it. I don't want to spoil it, but then again, I don't feel as much as to spoil because you can kind of guess everything's going to happen, but it, it's fascinating the way, and again, I would heard this about the book years ago before I even knew the movie was coming out, that because I think the book is all from the kids' point of view, isn't it? I don't know. I think so, because the film sort of is, I suppose to an extent, and it, it is fascinating the way she made like a game out of his existence and he's happy with it. And then that scene when she's trying to explain like reality to him is just, it's horrifying. Like, it's not depressing or isn't. it doesn't make me sad but I was just horrified. Like, the level of kind of
1: existential claustrophobia that yeah. like, it just hits you and I was like, it's awful. It's a beautiful exploration of something... Emma Donoghue uh, wrote the novel Room is based on but she also adapted it, the screenplay. She's got an Oscar nomination now uh, for it. We, I mean, we were talking about Danish Girl and how that's based on a book where the prose explains the stuff about transgender experience. Yeah. It may not for for some viewers not come across in the film, but I mean she has her own challenge anyway, of of adapting of adapting this novel she wrote, taking it apart, putting it into another medium. What what I love about it, like that she, she touches on this thing of structuralism, which was this whole school of philosophy about why we decide a word has a certain meaning or mm-hmm. different symbols have different meanings. So the premise is inspired by real life cases like uh-huh. the Joseph Ritzel case where a young woman played by Brie Larson has been uh, locked in a rapist's shed for seven years in the time she's had his child and the son is now five years old yep. and she has brought him up uh, on the pretense that uh, the room is the entire world or or like he doesn't even know the word world, he just knows mm. room <clears throat> and that uh, there's nothing outside the room. When when he's five years old and she feels it's it's and and she's trying to mount a kind of escape uh, a kind of escape she's she's trying to escape so she now explains to him uh, about the world uh, and and as you said the the scene is just kind it's quite difficult to watch I mean there are a lot of difficult scenes to watch but there are scenes that are just so moving because Brie Larson is so good in this like she's I I think she's guaranteed to win an Oscar. I'd like to hope so. I mean, every time I see her in something these days, I can't help thinking, oh, it's that chick from
0: Scott Pilgrim, because that was the first thing I saw her in. And Envy Adams. Then, yeah. Yes,
1: she's she's uh, Michael Sarah's ex-girlfriend. But now it's like, you know, and short term the le- singer of a band. I, 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 I thought she was so funny in that, and the fact she's in this as well. But well, no, but like
0: even like short-term 12, last year, year before, like, oh, it's a Scott Pilgrim chick, and now this. And it's like she is a phenomenally good actress, and I don't know why he was showing up in these things.
1: You know who else is phenomenally good? Jacob Tremblay. Yes. playing the young boy I think he was only like eight or so when they filmed it and he's winning all sorts of awards now but he's not Oscar nominated that's completely back ass words like that is like yeah. absolutely one of the strongest performances of any actor this year because Beast of the Southern be... Wild
0: kid got nominated so why can't he
1: who did Beast of the Southern Wild child and she was great in that mm, so like, I, I don't, do don't see why, why 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 there should be a reason you know not to cast them it's oh no he he really got a Christian to Bale had to be nominated
0: instead damn it <laughs> But this movie
1: wouldn't work. He was playing a challenging character. You either get Jacob Tremblay or you get Jake Lloyd when you're casting child actors. I kind of feel. Are there any mediocre child actors? Child actors who were okay? Um, Mara Wilson, I suppose, in Mrs. Doubtfire. The kids from The
0: Visit were both very not annoying. But not like. Nor were they brilliant. Though. No, they were good though. they were Earth, serviceable Earth in their role. Earth from
1: Echo was similar, I suppose. Uh, Ty
0: Simpkins, I'm a fan of. He's always consistently not annoying in movies, which is good.
1: But yeah, it's it's always a risk when you're you have a story like this. I, 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 but I mean, this is I mean, this is definitely a story that just takes risks in general. But mm-hmm. it's all it's all shot so well. There there isn't like it's exactly as long as it needs to be. There isn't like yes. a frame of it wasted. There isn't a detail that's misplaced. Every line of dialogue, every sort of prop in the background. It's, it's the kind of movie where, I mean, we were talking about the Revenants and, like, it's it, it's brilliant. I mean, this part's a bit weird, which is a shame, and maybe this mm. could have been different. Yeah, you know, we have those kind of discussions. I, I don't know what more I can say about Room because I can't think of any way that I would improve on it, which is a really rare thing to say about a movie. But I was I
0: was worried going in because I thought, okay, I assumed, because I haven't read the novel yet, that it was all based in Room. And I'm very happy that that's about the first half of the movie, and then the second half.
1: Is this a spoiler? I don't think it is. I I, I I, don't mind it being a spoiler because I think it makes... It it, it is an interesting story what happens after... That's what i was going to say, yeah. I'm glad
0: that it actually focuses on their life after getting out because most movies in this sort of genre would kind of end with them returning home happily with the media fanfare around them and they live happily ever after. This one, though, especially keeping what we were talking about last month with the Mockingjay thing, this deals with PTSD. This deals with the aftermath of living in the normal world after a traumatic one a really
1: and, disgusting disturbing situation that is yeah. horrific uh, and and it's it's like the repercussions that as they're trying to come to terms as as she's trying to come to terms with her life but also like the son is now seeing the world more mm. and but it's, it's it's all about kind of being intimidated by the scale of the world or life itself and but then but even how our parents react to it and and i
0: think actually if i had one a few minor complaints i think William H. Macy's character isn't dwelt upon enough. I think he was interesting and there's that one scene at the dinner table where yes, the implications But they kind of are... don't
1: resolve that. Re- I, I, they mean, didn't... I kind of like that. I like how it, it, it is just the assumption that he has like really read the situation wrong yeah. and... Uh... He's just not going to be part of their lives. I mean, it's. Like... I
0: didn't feel they needed to resolve it, but I felt they could have explored it more because it was it was hinted at for have. a single scene and then it was gone. Yeah, uh, well, I mean, also he's
1: pretty good. I mean, like uh, he is good? Joan Allen. She's great. The guy who plays Leo, who I mm-hmm. forget, but just a really kind guy. Uh, the not Ian McShane. Yes, black, that guy was. black police officer who finds. Uh, Jacob's character played by Amanda Bruegel she's a great minor actor, character
0: she isn't in enough of the movie they've to be done
1: honest. this before where they nominate an actor for best supporting actor and they have like one scene a Judi Dench one for like Queen Elizabeth and Shakespeare in Love and she's barely in that there were like two actors nominated for network who only had a scene each Well have they Hopkins before, for Sounds like, of the
0: Lambs was under, he had 17 minutes screen time she had maybe two yeah like less probably like she was, I'm not saying she wasn't great. She was great. That was actually probably so, the scene perfect like, for what it I came to be closest like, to like, crying Reich, at. Yes. Right, right. because I was bawling at that okay, point. I was, that was, was the closest. Like, like, the whole escape sequence, I was like, this is, this is surprisingly tense and emotional.
1: Right, <laughs> because, like, yeah, it's, it's just also well shot. I mean, wow. It's well shot,
0: but also I just feel like because you know, they've done such a good job explaining how he doesn't understand the world and, like, his view of reality is just room. So when he's escaping and you're trying to in your head, recognize the fact that he needs to follow her instructions, but he's also being overwhelmed by every single sense he has. And all these new experiences. It's makes for a surprisingly kind of tense non-action action action scene almost. Uh, But yeah, no, I think, so you have no complaints at all about it. I have three. One I've already said was the William H. Macy thing. Okay. I think the score was nonsense, not nonsense. I think the score was so minimalist as to be pointless. I think the film could have survived without score. Almost. I,
1: I, I kind of... I get uneasy about movies that don't have score. I wouldn't have noticed it, though, music, I don't think. The absence of music can make something really drag or really just not have the same weight it could. But there was so little score in the movie to start
0: with that most scenes were scoreless. Regardless, I don't feel that the score they had added anything. It, it felt very much for the first half, at least, like your typical art house movie score, where it, it almost felt like it came from a, like an app or something. It, it was very... Whoever did the score, I apologise for disparaging you so completely. But I just... I didn't... Were they not they were they, they are not they are not nominated, oh, no, I was just checking. I was like no way. Um <laughs> the other thing is I didn't like his voiceover. It was necessary in certain scenes just to, in a Tarantino esque way, keep the story moving and it passed Leave some time. Leave him out of this. And pass some time. But I, I didn't actually like Tremblay's voiceover. It was slightly annoying and I think he could have lived without it.
1: The acting Him in scenes though It's it's so solid. It's like amazingly he's a real phenomenon so we certainly want to watch his career. We want to congratulate Lenny Abramson being nominated for Best Director. That's a huge deal. I mean if we were going yeah so I mean this is See it it's it's like it's it's one of the most amazing films I've seen in a long time it's it's the the, the power it has like on the audience the, the, the whole audience was sobbing when i saw yeah, it Yeah i could hear like kind of sobbing noise too it's Although i
0: heard more sobbing for sniffling and whatever What do you call the thing that was a pile of shit with the cancer kids Cancer kids um the John Green one oh uh, Fault in Our Stars Fault in Our Stars which was just you know tailored targeted to make young women cry and sitting in an audience a full packed auditorium with them all in synchronisation going <gasps> <gasps> was kind of amazing because it was so synchronised and that film was so manipulative <laughs> but not good did this you, was much better
1: did John Green also do uh, um, Paper Towns yes I haven't read that because just a or funny story that, Last, man. just just very quickly I when I went to see Straight Out Compton last year on opening day uh, Paper Towns started mm-hmm. playing instead and the entire audience groaned and started walking out and, and, and they fixed it like a minute or two later but it's just, it's just all of the, the counter programming there like that was like the whitest movie in the history of white they could have started playing I mm-hmm. would honestly to, rather watch start. Paper
0: Towns and Strayer well, Compton but that's Strayer what Compton I was so good no interest but in overlooked
1: music. overlooked by the Academy Awards which <laughs> I'm surprised at I mean, we'll get to this in a
0: minute let's finish up Room um, yeah so was,
1: Room def- oh, absolutely I can't recommend it. You have to prioritise seeing this before any other movie. See it with an audience. Uh, see it with someone. Don't go by yourself. Have someone you can talk to Actually,
0: afterwards. quick question about it now I think about it. I, I think structurally, I thought it was very well done. And yeah, the direction in the first hour is definitely amazing because it's such a small space. You did an awful lot with it. Well done, Lenny. Blah, blah, blah. Anyway, I think structurally it really works because yes, the first half is all there and the second half is all the outside world. But do you think it could have been worthwhile sacrificing some of the room time to leave more room for sequences like William H. Macy or the suicide attempt to breathe. Because both of those uh, not so much the suicide attempt that I think it could, have dealt, it could have done with more time a bit. It was very not quickly glossed over but it was sort of brought up and resolved fairly quickly and then kind of speeded towards the finale. I'm wondering if, I don't know if the film needs to be longer but I feel like you could maybe have cut out some
1: of the actual I I think time. you touched upon stuff there that could be considered a spoiler. Yeah but I'm not giving... But we have, uh, I I feel like, I felt like, no, I felt like my experience of watching it was that, like, it was as long as it needs to be. Now, whether within the movie, maybe Mm -hmm. less time in room, more time in, but I mean, you, you also, like, you can't, because it would be torturous to an audience, it would be like that French horror film Martyrs, you can't just, like... You can't spend too long showing what it's like living in the one room for so long, but it's like it's seven years. You need to have like some sense That's of what, what it's like yeah. to be in there for so long. And it's a really well designed set. Um No, I mean I, I I've I've no complaints about it, really. I mean Fair it's enough. it's 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 like okay, I mean like Your brain went there to the place where it's like what could have been different about the movie, and mm. I usually do that even with movies I love, but this time I was just really blown away and I was really surprised as well. I mean, like, I I, I liked Frank, but I wouldn't say I'm the biggest fan of Abramson's work. And, no. and this is just, uh, like I said, a League in its own, far above anything else that's been out lately. From what uh, I've seen of his, is this definitely is the best one, I think. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Like, Frank was enjoyable. What Richard did was fine. But this was, yeah, it's definitely surpassable of those. I haven't seen Adam and Paul or Garage. He did Garage, didn't he? Yes. Yes.
1: <laughs> but, yeah, no, so that is Room. So. We have all these Oscar nominated films mm-hmm. reviewed now. Shall we perhaps take a look at some of the Oscar nominations and make our predictions? As quickly as possible, let's do that, yes. Okay, uh, I think we would start with uh, cinematography. We won't we won't go through all the technical categories because I mean there are like bits and pieces of stuff that are just kind of you could nitpick about Danish girl not getting hair and makeup or blah, blah blah blah. Like we can't get into too nitty gritty about that. We could mention song, I suppose. No, oh, sorry. Just that <laughs> Fifty Shades of Grey is now an Oscar nominated movie. Because the song has been nominated, and I I just find it galling that like the the Academy couldn't find five better songs this year. But it's so they a, now it, have done this. They've done this. We live in a world where Fifty Shades of Grey is an Oscar nomination. It's not about
0: better song. It's about better known song. That's why again I don't understand why Sam Smith got nomination. Because Writings on the Wall is fine. It's not Skyfall, and it shouldn't be there. It's also sad that that is Spectre's only nomination. Now again, Spectre isn't great. It didn't deserve that nominations. I would have definitely given the Best Sound Mixing or Sound. Oh, see the sound one again sound... sound mixing and sound editing sound editing maybe yeah please don't ask me to explain the difference no I know <laughs> the difference I couldn't think of the name uh, or even maybe you know special effects or yeah. something like that massive explosion was the biggest in cinema history so that could have been
1: visual effects is so hard to call because mm, there's Mad Max and The Martian and Star Wars and Ex Machina previously on the podcast I spoke That's to tough, one of the visual yeah. effects artists on Ex Machina because I thought that was brilliant so it, they might go for the smaller one that did something interesting, but I mean, you have these huge... But big Mad Max is so invisible that it's, it's kind of the most impressive. Yeah, and Star Wars, of course, is just the big blockbuster, so it often goes to that, yeah. um, regardless of quality, hence Transformers or whatever will get Oscars. I mean, like in terms of like visual accomplishment, though, I suppose the one technical category worth mentioning is cinematography. And I, I feel like it is competitive. We have Carol, The Hateful Eight, The Revenant, Sicario, and Mad Max Fury Road. That's really strong this year, isn't it? Because those are all pretty well shot movies.
0: Here's a wish again. I, I, yeah, I, I feel um... like if
1: I had to I, f- for my money, it's between the Revenant and Mad Max. It's it's gonna be one or the other. That that would mean if it's the Revenant, it would mean it's Emmanuel Lebeski's third consecutive year in a row where he's won the Oscar for Best Cinematography. If it's Mad Max looks amazing and it's very Visually and technically accomplished. So He's yeah, max a looks for that.
0: Amazing, but I feel like it's very surface looking Like it's just it's it's well kind of colour graded and stuff. I think Carol deserves it more than what he did that was interesting with the cinematography. Similarly, Sicario Deacons is pretty much unassailable. Hateful Eight doesn't deserve it. Revenant looked great. Um, I feel like personally I'd want Carol or Sicario to get it. Maybe Carol.
1: Mm. Well, I mean, the way we're going to go through these, I think we're going to talk about which one we want to win oh, and yeah. then which one we think we'd win. Okay, I,
0: Revenant will win. I want Carol to win.
1: I want Revenant to win and Revenant will win. It's just a big, It's going to be a bit tricky for us trying to gauge how the Oscar voters mm. vote, I think, because as we've been talking about the sort of demographic makeup of them before, but it's also just about what, what exactly is their taste because there are some years where they do reward movies that like are more ambitious mm-hmm. and do something creative, and other years they nominate something really safe and bland, and it's forgotten a few years later. So, I, I that's I, most years, yeah. Because the categories are so competitive this year, um, a lot of these are just so hard to call. I mean, I I do know the academy for years was voting by first past the post, where if there, if you're voting in a category, you just pick one and uh but that's how you end up having like crash winning best picture even though it was like a third or <laughs> uh, voters wanted it so what they do now is they rank the votes what this means why this is relevant is because you get the movies that are most broadly kind of liked by everyone or it's kind of it's still not an exactly proportional result but you'll get the one that kind of generally pleased the most people i think people it's winning. sufficient to
0: say it's hard to call this year let's keep going to the list <laughs>
1: well I mean you your particular interest is in soundtracks You score, I mean, you, you pay yes. attention to score so for original score we have Bridge of Spies Carol the Hateful Eight Sicario and Star Wars which which of those oh, would, do you oh god I mean but, I've uh, actually
0: been listening to practically all those scores recently I, I don't okay Carol hmm okay, Carol's I can't even think of it so that, that's gone Hateful Eight Maricone I love you uh, but did it one note <sighs> I mean, I want Sicario to win it, obviously. I think... I feel like Bridges Spies will get it just because it's that kind of score. It's that kind of movie. It's, it's, a, it's very Oscar-y. Well, you, you like Thomas Newman. I like Thomas Newman, and especially since he didn't get nominated for Spectre and didn't win for Skyfall, I think I wouldn't mind him winning it, but I felt... If John Williams had done Bridge of Spies, I would guarantee that that would win it. I feel like if it isn't him, they might give it to someone else.
1: He did Star Wars, but people were saying it kind of doesn't really go any new directions. I don't score. agree with that. It's people like,
0: keep saying, yeah, Star Wars has no new hummable themes. I disagree. Hum one right now. Um, Give me a second. Raise one gets get some muddled in my
1: head because it's similar to a different one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Well, there, so it's not going to be John Williams. Uh, he's not going to get it. No. <laughs> um, Sicario, okay. I do like the reggae in the sort of equivalent of the cantina scene. I like that there's reggae oh, in the Star Wars weird. universe. Um, um, Sicario's is really good, you say? Oh, okay, yeah. Well, we've been over several times. I think, I, times. Want, I, think great. I want Sicario to want win. Sicario it to stands win. out the most because it's a horror film soundtrack mm-hmm. for a crime thriller movie. And, and yeah, it works really with really everything, including book. Brooklyn trailers. Yeah, yeah. Watch watch it with the Brooklyn trailer at the sound turned down. Oh, it's so funny. Um, so yeah, we
0: want Sicario to win.
1: Which one do we think will win, though? <sighs> I think it's between Bridge of Spies and Star Wars i i uh i remember the opening music from carol the sort of philip glassy kind of thing over oh yeah, 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 yeah. and i don't think it will be star wars i i think oh damn it um <laughs> this is only going to get worse as we go on by the way because the, the categories this year are all really competitive so oh shit <laughs> I want it to be Sicario. I think it could be Sicario, but it may more likely be Carol. Whoa, whoa, whoa.
0: I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> That's Ray's theme. Ha! I can do it. It took a second to get there. <laughs> um, and
1: well, I, I, think... guess, I guess. I guess. I. I think John Williams will win. Then. <laughs> yeah, he. He sure showed me. Good night, folks. Uh, <laughs> we'll keep going, shall we, through uh best adapted screenplay. Yes. This is so competitive. We have the Big Short, Carol, The Martian, Room, and Brooklyn. It's not gonna be Brooklyn, or I, I hope it isn't. Because like while uh-huh. while while I will defend Brooklyn, I think it's okay, but it, it it it's there are problems with the writing of it, the way the main dramatic tension comes in two thirds of the way in. Which and apparently isn't tension. in the book,
0: yeah, from what we've heard. The book's actually a better structured story than the film was. So that shouldn't win for definitely. And that there isn't much at stake
1: and it's kind of... Yeah, so so I think if, if Brooklyn wins anything it's not going to be for that. I mean, what sometimes happens... This happened with the Imitation game last year where it's mm. the kind of consolation prize for when it doesn't win anything else or...
0: Yeah, I feel like Room will get this and won't win anything else or not like won't win much else but I think I'd prefer it to go to... I think... I think the Martian
1: will actually get this. You know what? I... I... My hunch is that the Martian, Martian. people really liked the Martian. Yeah. People liked how well written it was, like as an ensemble piece, how kind of unusual it was where it made science a good thing. And it was kind of really good execution of like applying that to storytelling in the old sense of the word science fiction. That yeah. it wasn't like lightsabers and droids, but it was science stuff in a fiction context. So I, I wanted to be room... Uh, yeah this i think i wanted to be room or carol i, I but... think i think it it is between the martian and the big short having seen the big short i think they adapted what was a very dry book about the financial crisis and did sort of creative things with it where it just about gets away of breaking the fourth wall the martian on the other hand i think a lot of people generally like it uh it's nominated for best picture it's nominated for a lot of things they may just give it to Drew Gardard just for thinking like, yeah, that was that was a really enjoyable movie everyone seemed to like. So so I mean that's my prediction there. Um original screenplay we have uh Bridge of Spies, which the Coen brothers co wrote with Mart, Matt, Matt Charman, uh I choose you. Uh Alex Garland for Ex Machina, the uh Tom McCarthy and Joss Singer for Spotlight, and then we have the teams behind Inside Out and Straight Out of Compton.
0: Okay, super quickly, uh, Bridges Spies will win
1: this. I want X Machina to win this. I want X Machina to win this. Yeah, correct. Or maybe Straight Outta Compton. Maybe that'll be like the consolation prize to Straight Outta Compton. <laughs> the diversity issue. <laughs> yeah, but then given their record so far, they probably won't. And and also Inside Out is supposed to have been quite well written. Uh, I don't think it will be Bridges Spies. I think... I, I think you're underestimating how safe they
0: can bet sometime, and I think that's the the ideal safe bet movie this see, year. You see, for me, Spotlight... popular and decent, but also very safe.
1: Okay, but Spotlight's getting a lot of like buzz, and and, and again, this this isn't... Okay, uh, the question of merit is Alex Garland writing Ex Machina obviously deserves the war, the award by far, because that is a great screenplay mm-hmm. for a brilliant movie. Uh, but in terms of trying to second-guess the Oscar voters, I feel like Spotlight is getting nominated for lots of things. They'll want to give it something. and They'll probably feel like... In the same way, The Big Short might get screenplay because they'll feel like it was making a statement about the financial crisis. Uh, Spotlight will have been highlighting uh, the abuse of the cult of the Catholic Church. Uh, So they may give it to Spotlight, I think. Okay.
0: So finally for this page...
1: uh... We have... um... Our notes here with the directing category. We have Adam McKay for The Big Short, George Miller for Mad Max, Alejandro González and Arito for The Revenant, Lenny Abramson for Room, and Tom McCarthy for Spotlight. Tom McCarthy was an actor in season five of The Wire. He's since directed movies. So as I said, Spotlight is a movie hasn't been released here yet. Uh, it should be out in the next week or two, but it is about the Boston Globe uncovering uh, child abuse scandals in the Catholic Church back around 2001.
0: Okay, again quickly I think I kind of want either George Miller or Lenny to get this one I think it'll go to Inyara too
1: I'm happy to put McKay out of the running I think the Big Shorty is well directed I don't think it'll win this though I, I want it to be George Miller um, you know or, or Lenny Abramson I think that would be a big deal for Irish See, I think I want Mad Max to get
0: it. Best Picture more than I want this get best oh directed. man
1: wait till we get to best picture because yeah. so I, 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 um, I think let's
0: say lenny that i want to win i think in art you'll get it
1: you know what um uh, god damn it who do i want to win this i suppose um mm, I, I i can't narrow it down yeah. i think this is a really super competitive category like that they um y- y- and and again, I think going for McCarthy or McKay would be a safe choice on the part of the Oscars. But I, I think if they really do want to give a director their due recognition, it's it's Miller, Iñárritu or Abramson. And I can certainly narrow it down to that three for you for what I want to happen and what I think will happen. But I can't... No, no, no. But again, even what I think will happen, it could be any of them. Ah! that um, was very I'm helpful sorry, thank uh, you for that this is a super competitive year for the Oscars it, it is, this just is blurt be so out to things
0: like what I'm doing just
1: blurt out names and Blah. it's fine Ooh, yeah. um, let's, let's talk about actors maybe can we quickly say he
0: was left out of the directing category I think What's-His-Face from It Follows could have been worthy of a nomination David and Robert Mitchell David, thank you uh, I knew for some reason David Mitchell is in my head <laughs> <laughs> and, and I finally I would not have been adverse to um, Matthew Vaughn getting a nomination for Kingsman would never in a million years have happened, nor would he have won, nor would it have been deserved <laughs> per se, but I would have liked to have seen it there. Okay, next one.
1: Best supporting actor. We have Batman, Bane, the Hulk, and Rocky Balboa, along with Mark Rylance for Bridge of Spies. Okay. He's who I want to. Yeah, win. very easy
0: one. Ryland should win. Yes. I think you're right. Stallone will probably get it. If not him, Bale will get it again.
1: Or Tom Hardy. I, I think Tom him. Hardy's performance was quite strong uh, in The Revenant, so I, I can see I'd be happy with him winning. I mm. would be unhappy if Sylvester Stallone won, uh, but I think that's the way they're going to go because yeah. he won the Golden Globe, and I feel like um, haven't seen Creed. I'm going to see Creed, but I don't. Want to but win. they're just giving it to him because it's him, not for the ugh. and and yeah. And as we were saying, plenty of other good actors mm. in Creed mm. from all reports, mm. but you know, it's it's focused on Stallone. I mean, we have. Uh, Screen Actors Guild Awards are usually the most reliable indicator of what will happen in the Oscars haven't happened yet so um, yeah so those will give you a better idea of what might happen when it comes to Best Supporting Actress we have Jennifer Jason Leigh for The Hateful Eight Rooney Mara and Carol Rachel McAdams for Spotlight Alicia Vikander for The Danish Girl Kate Winslet for Steve Jobs Had Alicia Vikander been nominated for Ex Machina rather than the Danish girl, as Mm -hmm, she should mm -hmm. have, uh, this would be hers, hands down, without competition. I don't think... I think she actually has a better chance of winning it for Danish girl than Ex Machina, but I think she deserves it more for Ex Machina than Danish girl. That's fair enough. I hope she does win, because I really like her. I think she was strong in both Ex Machina and Danish girl. It's just that Ex Machina, her character gets more to do. She's naive and cunning and uh, so on. She gets that... I kind different of things too, like, I, and I also feel like her character <clears throat> really carried the movie with Redmayne. That she should be in the lead actress category, yeah. as should Rooney Mara for Carol. She, like she is the main character in Carol, but it's, it's Kate Blanchett nominated in the lead actress rather than her. It's it's weird. It's it's like the thing with Jennifer
0: Lawrence being nominated for best supporting actress for Winter's Bone, and mm. she was literally the only person on screen most in that movie. It's just it's the way they know they have the best chance of winning. That's why I think Mara actually probably will win this and I wouldn't okay. be against her winning this. I don't know else. who else... I mean, I actually wouldn't mind seeing Lee win this.
1: I would hate that. Because I, I feel like, first of all, her character in The Hateful Eight just... It was pantomime, it was written, but it was good. It was, it was all artifice. It, it, it was tough and tenacious and rough, but it was... Uh, all superficial traits it was a plot she was a plot device she was a plot device in Damsel in Distress and she hagged it up and hammed it up but that doesn't mean it's a good performance I I would be I'll be really angry if Lee wins no but she's I think the
0: the Christoph Waltz of this year like she is the no she's not that good no no no, no, I I think like Django Christoph Waltz which he won he won the Oscar for as well like that's the level she's on which is fine it's good I'd prefer Mara to win it but I'd I'd be okay if she won it
1: I want Vikander to win I think it will be either Mara or Winslet because people seem to no, like Winslet and the Steve Jobs movie for some reason, so she's won the Golden Globe. Um, I'd like to all the stars for proud. It was Ex
0: Machina. Just, I just don't, I don't really want to win it for Danish Girl.
1: Hmm. Um, I'd I'd be happy with her winning it for Danish Girl. Like mm. I said, just Ex Machina is so much better. Um, yes. When it comes to best actress, <clears throat> like I said, it's it's the same woman at different stages of her life. It's uh, Saoirse Ronan, Ireland's own uh, Jennifer Lawrence, Brie Larson. Kate Blanchett and Charlotte Rampling, it definitely should be Bree Larson. I think it will be.
0: I think it'll be Kate Blanchett because it's always gonna be Kate Blanchett. Now the weird thing is I'm not against her winning this because even though she's gonna have she's won one before, hasn't she? I think. Yes. Yes, she she'll win one again. But even still, this was probably one of her best performances she's ever done. She kinda of deserves an Oscar for this, but she already has an Oscar, so I don't think she needs another one. I think Give think it to win. Brie Larson or
1: Saoirse Ronan. No,
0: I that would I'd be so happy about that. That oh, I would just be very bored by that because it's it's, it's <laughs> I don't think it's out of the running. I think that could happen. I would like to see Rampling win this purely because. She'll never get her chance at this. And that'd be nice. I was
1: gonna ask. You saw forty-five years? Some years they have this. It. They've done this in previous years yeah, where they more. have the elderly woman yeah. candidates, and they don't give it to her. They just tease her basically. <laughs> they make her think, "Oh, maybe I this will be my one and only chance." But to get she has to get dressed up and go to Hollywood. Oh, and have a this nice got time. so dark. Oh, but uh, yeah. So is Charlotte Ramplin's performance Oscar worthy? I think so. Yes. Uh, Do you think it could win? With that, that just be it, too much of a
0: curveball. I think it's too. Hard to, I think she could win. I don't think she will. I think Blanchett yeah. will win it, but I think she could win. And I'd like to see
1: her win. I kind of want to see Brie Larson win too. so uh... I'm I'm kind of it's this it's this whole thing of Merit versus what are the Academy going to do if yeah. if, if the Academy has some semblance of sanity it will be Brie Larson because it was just such more stronger acting than even Kate Blanchett, who is phenomenal in pretty much everything she I does. feel
0: Brie Larson is enough of a kind of Jennifer Lawrence 2.0 that they could give it to her but I think I want Rampling it will, it will be Blanchett
1: uh when it comes to best actor I get, I mean we have Brian Cranston for Trumbo Matt Damon for the Martian Leonardo DiCaprio for the Revenant it is isn't it <laughs> uh Michael Fassbender for Steve Jobs flying the Irish flag and I suppose German flag for German viewers and uh <laughs> Eddie Redmayne for the Danish girl uh I kind of want none of them to win this um, I I I think my want and think are the, the same on the uh, you know what Ugh. Mm. No, the thought just occurred to me they might give it to Matt Damon, but I don't I don't think they... Nah. I think that would uh, be a
0: very funny feud yeah. Leonardo DiCaprio if they did that.
1: Matt <laughs> Damon. Ah! Uh, okay, my want and think are the same on this because I, I, I think it's a dead heat between DiCaprio and Redmayne. I think their performances were just about as good as each other. They, they It's probably leaning stronger towards DiCaprio because people feel like it's his time. Mm. And it's certainly one of... Like, like I said, in the top two or three of his career... So um yeah, so yeah, so I want it to be either of them. I'd be I'd be happy enough with either of them and it will be uh, one of them.
0: I feel like it will be Red Main. I don't actually really like any of the Nominations there. I'll say I'd like it to be Brian Cranston because I like Brian Cranston I've not seen that movie. Don't even know what movie that is. But I like Brian Cranston <laughs> He plays a
1: screenwriter during the McCarthy era and okay. it hasn't been released here yet. Um, I'm looking I'd, like, forward I'd, to I'd like to
0: see him give a speech. It'd probably be quite funny. That's mm. the only reason I have to have a horse in this race. It'll probably be Redman, though. I think it will be Redman. Mm.
1: What will be funny is years from now when the biopic of Leonardo DiCaprio gets made, uh, that actor will surely win the Oscar for playing Leonardo DiCaprio or you could make that the movie at which movie. point a
0: full on Howard Hughes DiCaprio will just burn down a hospital or something
1: no what, what I want you could make a movie about this where the actor there's an actor called Alden Ehrenreich he was in the Francis Ford Coppola movie Tetro he's basically an actor who looks a lot like a, and behaves like a mm-hmm. young Leonardo DiCaprio you can have a movie where he's playing Leonardo DiCaprio Leonardo DiCaprio is playing himself advising him on the role and when win, he, he wins the Oscar DiCaprio goes apeshit and starts running after him Jack Torrance style trying to hunt him down and murder him that would be hilarious. Uh, Mr. DiCaprio, if you're listening, I will write this screenplay for you. Um, Just on that note, I feel Evan Peters is also a good young DiCaprio, but that's... It. All right. Anyway, so finally. Finally, uh, we have the best picture category, and this is where my brain is going to explode. I, I, This feels like such a dead heat between all eight of these movies. This is the thing that bothers me about the Oscars, though, that it used to be five for best mm-hmm. picture, then it was ten, now it's eight, and then the smaller categories. some years it's three, others it's five. It's all a bit arbitrary. Uh, we have... The Big Short, Spotlight, Bridges Spies, Our Beloved Brooklyn, Room, so those are two movies flying the Irish flag, Mad Max Fury Road, The Revenant, and The Martian. Okay, now... It's I, an easy one to say which one I want to win, Mad Max, so that'd be amazing. Say Brooklyn, because it would annoy you. So that's my want. No, of course not, because is, Brooklyn is... So undeserved. However much... So undeserved. You see, here's the thing. I think... With Room, yes, let's let all those Irish people get excited about Room winning stuff. With Brooklyn, it's I, I, I think it's fine for what it is trying to be. I don't think it's quite as Oscar worthy as this. It obviously just struck a chord with critics and Academy voters because I guess what it does is there have been movies about immigration before, but maybe this is the first time it was made by like in this case, Irish people, mm-hmm. and it was that perspective on it. Americans have that whole Irish
0: fetishization, anyway, so it makes there's sense. There's that, but
1: there's also the fact that migration is just generally becoming more and more of a thing now with a globalised world, so maybe just it just came along at the right time where people thought, like, that bit of the movie is like something I went through because it's so, like, broad yeah. and safe. Um, so, you know, it's, it's not going to be that. It's...
0: See, I think it could be Brooklyn. I really do. I think that's the exact kind of king-speechy what's the Slumdog Millionaire kind yeah. of level of safe oh, Slumdog Millionaire's Oscar good. kind of movie. I, I also, think
1: I think, I think King's Speech is good as well. It's just really safe. I, guess, I actually Slum haven't seen Millionaire. Slumdog
0: Millionaire or King's Speech. I'm going by purely about <laughs> the. <choice>.
1: You absolute <laughs> oh, Slumdog Millionaire is really creative movie. Here, that kind of movie you're describing though, where they just go for the really safe Life of choice. I feel like, okay, Big Short and Spotlight seem like that kind of movie, which is is. why I think it could be one of those, but the way you are describing it, I think it could be Bridges Spies or even The Martian, because like I said, it'll be the one out of those eight which the most people just generally like, so it could be a kind of mushy middle of either one of those. I think if they're going by merit and they're awarding what is like genuinely the best film, it's between The Revenant Room and Mad Max, and... Like in terms of what I want, I'd say either Room or Mad Max. I, I get really giddy about the idea of Mad Max winning Best Picture and just mm-hmm, being the representation same. of, uh, like you know of the craft of filmmaking. It would probably have the same effect if George Miller gets Best Director. Um, it's possible the Oscars are just trolling us by including Mad Max at all. It's just getting everyone's hopes up that like, oh my, are they going to give it to it? It's just like, and also like these movies are nominated. Carol and the Danish girl aren't, uh, some people thought Star Wars might get in, but sure, it's, it's just going to have to have its billions too, of dollars to, uh, you know, as consolation. And had you
0: asked me at the start of last year, I would have been like, oh, I think Spectre has a good chance of being in there, but. But then we saw Spectre. And no, it doesn't. Yeah. Okay. okay. I think. So uh, yeah, I want Mad Max to it. I think it's a three-way maybe, no sorry, four-way maybe between Room, Mad Max, Bridge of Spies and Brooklyn. I think the more likely of those two are Bridge of Spies and Brooklyn. I think Room is sort of a dark horse possibility. I think Mad Max should and might, but I do think it'll be between Bridge of Spies and Brooklyn.
1: Yeah, I think what my want, as in the, the merit of this, would be either Room or Mad Max when it comes to... My prediction as to what I think will happen at the Oscars, I think my problem is Big Short and Spotlight are throwing throwing me off because those are Oscar really Oscar-baity movies, so I feel like it might go to one of them if, if, if they don't each win the screenplay in their respective categories. Because, mm. um, I mean, it's it's either that or... It's, it's either that kind of safe Oscar movie or it's Bridge of Spies and the Martian. I don't even think I can rule out Revenant at this point. We have my wants clear. Just in terms of what I think will happen, this is really too close to call for me. It's it's just so competitive because I think that like, uh, you know, aside from Brooklyn, which is serviceable, I, th- I think these are all strong movies.
0: Okay, I tell you what, I'm actually going to go out on a limb here and say it's going to be Brooklyn. I actually honestly to go. I think it's going to be Brooklyn.
1: I would be delighted if that happened. That would be a big deal for Irish just, cinema. I well. wouldn't be
0: surprised if it was Brooklyn no. though.
1: Let's hope it's Brooklyn or Room. How about that? No, let's hope it's Mad Max.
0: I do think it will be Brooklyn, but let's hope it's Mad Max.
1: <laughs> I'm really, really hoping it's Mad Max. That would be just so... I mean, I, I don't think... Yeah. Mm, like, like I said, I think I, I'd be happy with any of them, but I will be somewhat disappointed if it isn't Mad Max or Room. Um, but there's a pretty strong year for film, and I, and I think just all these categories are quite competitive except actors. And, you know, we... This this will be actually an interesting year to watch and see what happens. And again, it's just it's so hard to second guess the Oscar voters' sensibilities. Mm-hmm. I I especially since a lot of these are Oscar baities, but they're different types of Oscar baities. So it's and then there are all sorts of surprises about you know you know, movies getting nominated for this, but then not that. Or, like, Carol being a big example of this. Mm-hmm. We, we thought it was a sure thing for, like, director and picture. Or I did, anyway. I'm it was surprised like... it's not Best Picture, to be honest. I'm actually yeah.
0: surprised *Hateful 8 isn't in there, too. Not because it deserves it, but because I just think it seems the kind of movie they would put in. Like, as Tarantino mm. movies go, it's very safe and very Oscar-friendly. Like, it's just very, it's just dialogue-heavy in so... one room. And it's, mm.
1: Yeah, but that, but that's, it, it's, it's real failure of visual storytelling, so oh, I'm so not... happy it wasn't considered in that. No, it's not. Whereas all these other movies actually get visual storytelling. I mean, especially Mad Max and Reuben. Apart from Brooklyn, which Martin, is hacky and shit. And, oh god! I mean, we have. Uh, Can you tell she's Irish abroad because she's wearing
0: green, white, and orange, walking around the Americas. And on that note, Brooklyn, Brooklyn, <laughs> Brooklyn, Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Just... I'm saying it now. Brooklyn's going to win, and I won't be surprised. I won't be mad. I'll just be disappointed.
1: What do you want to happen? What do you think will happen? Tweet us at Film Ireland. Why not? And we can keep this discussion going right up until the ceremony at the end of February. Um, so, yeah, this is our preview of the Oscars. Um, we're going to be watching it closely, I think, because as we said, it's just it's so competitive. It's such a tight competition. I'm I'm really ex- I'm genuinely excited this year. It's like yeah. I kind of wasn't that much into it in recent years. But now, yeah, let's let let, let let's see what happens. Um we will be uh, with you again before then, though, end month of February. So uh, until then, keep well. I'm Jonathan Victory.
0: And well, I'm Richard Drum. Goodbye.